Ponytails podcast. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the Ponytails Podcast. My name is Andre Scamboa. I am the host of the show, and I am excited for today's episode. <laughs> it has been a hoot and a holler in the, in the back room, in the green room, in the sound check, getting ready for Alicia Huck. Uh, man, it's going to be a fun one. A uh, little bit about our guests here in a sec. I uh, just want to do a couple of announcements and some stuff that we are going to have happen and changes to our uh, program here coming up. Of course, you guys already know, we'll get to the Bizzler uh announcement in just a second we are having a couple little other alumni get-togethers in florida and gainesville and hopefully in nashville more details on that to come as well where we're doing a beer party so if you're in those cities you can come hang out with us you can come drink our beer and uh just hang out do a little networking as well while we're doing there but uh that's exciting if this is your first time on the show welcome welcome uh glad you're here we're at 102 episodes in and it's been a blast so far every single one of them has been something new and something learned uh for sure but uh yeah this is a, the show where we interview people if you don't know we interview people about their experience on door to door specifically selling books door to door with Southwestern Advantage, a company that you know recruits college kids to go sell all over the country. Uh, every summer, a bunch of kids do it. And it's pri- probably one of the craziest experiences uh, people will have in their life, as you will no doubt tell from the show and the stories. Um, so thank you for listening in. Thank you for being part of uh, today's show. You can go back and listen to more of this. Please make sure you follow us and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're all over the place. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. Follow us. Tell all your book book friends about us. Based on who you are, they should love us and be excited to talk to us. So uh, update on Bizzler. If you don't know, August 15th through the 19th, if you're an alumni and this is your first episode listening because you saw Alicia Huck's name, you're like, oh my God, she's so awesome. Well, not only are you right, uh, but get excited. Sit down if you're standing because we're throwing a party in Mexico. So August 15th through the 19th, Super excited about this. It's called our Bizzler trip, uh, business sizzler, if you wish, or maybe just better sizzler. I don't know. It's a five-star resort in Cancun, and it's going to be a lot of fun, super high energy, super high end, and we are going to be having networking events and stuff throughout there as well as like slash ball and all the classics from the old time. We'll, we're happy to have alumni there from all sorts of different walks and all sorts of different industries so we can make it as valuable to our guests as possible. For more details on that, there will be, actually, I think right now there's a link below that you can click on and there's a sign up form uh, a couple of details on that we are doing a partnership with elevate wellness where us here on the ponytails podcast team are getting fit for it and uh, in a healthy way so elevate wellness is one of our partners we love working with them seth hood Sane gallagher joe ignis these guys are whipping us into shape i'm getting my ass kicked every week and that's a good thing uh my wife is appreciating it a lot and honestly it's been kind of nice to just kind of look like i'm in my earlier 20s my hairline won't tell you that but uh maybe neck down i'm kind of like all right look at this i'm looking healthy again getting shredded and of course they're giving us a lot of really good tips not just in the gym really primarily the biggest 
gain the biggest lessons I've learned is actually through the kitchen. Seth has been really good about teaching me about how to feed myself correctly. And it's kind of wild. Uh, testimonial is I was eating some Burger King. Uh, I've been eating so well, but I decided to cheat and I went to eat like some Burger King jalapeno poppers. And about 15 minutes later, like my body was like, dude, what are you doing? Um, and all of that because of our friends at Elevate Wellness. So literally, if you want to get into the best shape, summer's coming up and maybe you've kind of fallen through on your resolutions for January, but seriously, it's never too late to stop to start with them. And if you guys sign up through us, uh, you're actually going to get a discount on, on it. And if you're a book person, you actually get a discount on their program for more details. There's a ton of different uh, options and we can get a hold of you or you can get a hold of us and we can shoot you all of the details. Um, we can also provide a link to uh, all of this stuff for you guys to find and be able to access their programs. Fantastic. Cannot over recommend it. Um, it's been a really good benefit for me in my life. Um, cool. Um, also shout out to Will Metcher. Will Metcher is working with Southwestern Consulting. He is uh, a dear friend of mine, old friend from my first days of selling books door to door. If you know, Will, he's just the, the loveliest human being ever. And it's been a lot of fun working with him. Uh, he helps people suck less, as he says himself. But right now, they're looking for more people to uh, be coaches in the program and to help others ex uh, exceed their goals. Um, specifically speaking with us, Will's been working with us to get into, into the right zone, focusing on the things we need to. Um, I've said this already, but we've grown really, really well and really big in the last few years um, and excuse me, the last few months. And a lot of the growth has been because of Will. Um, we are super excited to have him on the, as part of our jockey team. Jockeys are sponsors, of course. Um, but Will provides a lot of structure. He provides a lot of goal orientation and just a lot of realistic uh, attainability for them. So every time I talk to him, I leave that meeting going, holy cow, I can actually do this. This can happen. This is going to happen. And uh, just with a ton of confidence. So shout out to Will. We love you lots, brother. Um, now, let me bring up our guests. Okay, so guys. 1995 to 2000 book chick, badass book chick from GOID. Uh, she went to school in uh, South Dakota. And, you know, she, she before the show, she was like, I know a lot about Nebraska. So it's exciting because I'm, I, as you guys might know, I moved to Nebraska as a kid. Um, that's a story for another time. But uh, yeah, Alicia is, uh, a, is just a super high energy already. And I'm excited to get to know her a little bit more as we progress through this episode. And so I'm going to go ahead and bring her on to the air. Let's see. Boom. Hello. Hey. How's it going? I'm really excited, but I have to tell you, I kind of need to pick a fight with Will Metcher because <laughs> suck less used to be my thing. That was something I said a lot. <laughs> and I feel like he sort of stole it, although he probably didn't actually steal it, but I'm still sort of mad at him, you know, and I'm just going to stay mad at him for a while. But um, I love that you, you guys are working with him. It's so smart, right? A lot of us it's so funny. You talk to so many people who sold books and they're like, I don't understand why life is hard now. I'm like, well, you don't get a PC ever. You don't have anybody <laughs> providing you with new information. And your company thinks that good motivation is, hey, you don't want to be the low hanging fruit at the end of the month. I don't know why it's so different. <laughs> wow. There it is right there. Will, if you're listening, that was a bit, that was a Sour Patch Kid ad, ad right there. First she you was sour, then she was sweet. Will but you should also tell him he owes me a beer because I think yes. it's only fair. Absolutely. Speaking of beer, are you drinking? Are you drinking with us today? Or no, you just... I'm, I'm diet coking it. I live in Denver, Colorado, and it's um, you can get a hangover just walking to your car here. We're at elevation. It's very, very dry. Like you're, you're always just – I've never mm. lived in a place where we talked about hydration more. It's, a, it's an ongoing battle. <laughs> that makes sense. Fair enough. Fair enough. I have this party time Pilsner 
I think is it's that, local from Portland. Oh, I was like, is that one of the beers for the cool Nashville trip that I heard about, which I didn't get a personal hand graved invitation to and was sort of annoyed with? I mean, what's happening here? We sent it with the bird and the bird's blind. So I apologize. Oh, yeah, that's damn. You got to get better birds, man. This is ridiculous. I know. I, it's it's really not it's not ideal, but the budget's you know low expenses, so we're not no text messaging, no emails. We're just we have birds clothes. that flunked out of Southwestern, like they quit yeah. like week two. They're very lame. They may or may not yeah. ever make it where they're supposed to go. Yeah, I, I I've gotten people's bar reports before from like like 1994. They just got to me. I think they were really lost. Oh my gosh! The case setters is in your parents' mailbox as we speak. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a good episode. This is going to be a good episode. I'm excited because oh we, I don't know if people know this, if, if you're listening for the first time, we don't do any pre-approach. So li I am yeah. literally getting to know you as we speak, literally. Just like, overcome by the awesomeness from the word go. Yeah. Well, I was looking exactly at the it. list and I'm like, where are all the junkyard dog people? Like I, we have this hole. So I have to kind of blaze a path because yeah. there's a lot of awesome people in there. We used to, you know. Yvette Keister, who was in Forest, she started the same. We were rookies the same summer. She and I, Virgie Sanford, that ah, was all legend. like that was that there was Lester Crafton. I mean, there was this whole mess of people that was just crazy. Yeah, that's a what a let, let me we, we can get into like the summers really quick, but what, what's it yeah. like looking back at the uh, at like because you're kicking ass at life and so yeah. is Yvette, so is Lester. And so, like, yep. what's it like looking back at who you guys were back then and like you know, what, what life is like now and the friendships that you made? Well, I mean, I know that people always, you know, they joke about, thank God we didn't have cell phones during our sizzlers. And I really know that there are probably some photographs <laughs> in somebody's like garage or something that I don't really like. There are reasons none of us can run for public office. Right. I mean, I met Grant Greeter and Curtis <laughs> Rogers in a pool in Mexico and everybody had a beverage. So it, it's um, what I mostly remember about everybody is just none of us really got it at the time. And it's really fun when you see somebody over the course of their life and how they develop and, you know, like Les is off doing solar, trying to save the world, yeah. right? Yvette's, I mean, amazing. It, it's just, it's very weird. There is this place that you get to in your life. And I think it comes with a certain amount of age and who you know, but for me, it's sort of like all the choices that you made, they just, th that, that gap gets bigger exponentially. And then there's a point where you're like, wow, there's a big drop off between me and say some of the people I went to high school with, right? Because mm -hmm. I chose to go to college and I chose to sell books door to door instead of hanging out in the summer. And then one day you look around and you're like, I have choices that other people don't necessarily have. And I have, you know, there are peers that you can call who regularly talk about hundreds of millions of dollars. And I just find that really trippy. I grew yeah. up in this trailer in South Dakota and a hundred million doesn't sound like that much to me anymore. And I don't have a hundred million, but I know people who have a hundred million and it, it's, it, wild. it's just a, and what they build. Right. I mean, you guys started a podcast. You're like, turns out there's enough alumni to make a podcast, a profitable business. That's just all of us <laughs> telling old war stories and being like, Oh God, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so wild because it's just exactly what you're talking about. There's, there's something that there's a, a certain amount of trust that you can put in someone, especially if they sold multiple mm -hmm. summers, not that that's yeah, the key yeah. to success or anything, but like, no, but it if, for sure it, is. If you only sold one, you're lame and stupid. <laughs> and if you didn't recruit, we don't respect you. Just for you people loser. Are like sold one summer and they're like, I sold books. And you're like, but did you, did you really? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was like an eight-week <laughs> summer. Like that yeah. counts. It like, counts. Get out of here with that rookie ball. No, yeah. no, thank you. Come on now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but hey, you know it, it. It it's again. It's there's something about like the fact that there's even that lesson learned throughout those summers that like that you know that you can trust. Like when when even the, the it's also in the in the peers kind of like what you're talking about. So when I if I was to tell like a group of high school friends, hey, I'm launching a podcast and I'm going to monetize it and I'm going to make mm-hmm. a living off of it. Maybe I'm not making hundreds of millions of dollars like some of the other book people, but I'm making enough to live. Right. Yeah. And, and that's not to say, look at me, I'm so cool. But my friends would be like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But on the other hand, like if I was to tell my book friends, Hey, I made a podcast and I'm going to monetize it and I'm going to make a living off of it. They'd be like, yeah. Can I, can I, can I, can I support you? How do I like, it's yeah. a whole different Should I group. invest? If yes. You talk to Todd yeah. McWhorter, he'll be like, do you want me to invest? <laughs> Actually, soon enough, Todd. Soon enough. Great guest on the show. By you the definitely way. want him to invest. Like you want him yeah. on your team for sure. That's a yeah, group of guys I, that you want on your corner for sure. Oh my God. Those guys are amazing. I live in the same city as Todd. So we've had a lot of beers together. Um, it's funny though. The kids up in Boulder, they've had me up to speak. They, they're really good at recruiting alumni from this area. And it was funny because, you know, it was like a, a, GRS, whatever for them. And I thought about it and I was like, well, what would I tell people about recruiting after all these years? Like what really makes the difference? And I think this goes to what you were saying about how do you feel when you bump into other book people, right? Like, why is that connection there? Is it just because we were all really crazy and like, I don't know, 80 hours a week sounds like fun to me. That's, you mean I can live out of state? Neat. Host family? Sweet. Um, But what I tell them, because I realized it, I mean, I wasn't the best recruiter in the world. Like, I think my biggest team was, I don't know, maybe 10 people. Nobody, I never finished a summer with that many, right? But I was really good with other people's people, which I think plays a big role in how I do now. But I thought about it and I was like, man, if I were recruiting today, I would skip all the fancy speeches, right? I would skip all the like hyperbole. I would just get a bunch of people in a room and I'd be like, hey, do you like hard things? Sweet, (laughs) you can stay. Everybody else, get out. Yeah. Like that's how I float people. I'd be like, you, do you, do you like hard things? Great. Come with me. And that would be it. I'd be like, if you like hard things, because that's, I feel like what all book people have in common, right? Like we're a little weird that way, but we like the challenge. We want to beat it. We want to beat other people. We want to know something different about ourselves. And I think if you end up in a room with somebody who chose to sell books for multiple summers, you can just count on that that's part of their makeup, right? You know, they're going to be good at learning. You know, they're pretty coachable. You know, they have at least enough personal will to make some things happen. I mean, yeah. that that's a good room to be in. Yeah. And that, it also humbles you in a different way, right? Like I remember like going to, I remember going to sales school. I, I think I've told this before in other episodes, but like just, you know, I was a kid that got straight A's in school, 4.2 GPA because I had the weight of courses. I was a captain right. of all the things, varsity soccer, varsity show choir, varsity orchestra. I was in, you know, had a job and then I go to sales school and, you know, Dan Morris sits there and he's like, all right, if you, you know, if you're the captain of some sort of sport, stay standing. If you got a 4.0 GPA, <laughs> stay standing. And I look around and there's like 800 other people. And, and I'm like, oh, shit. I am yeah. average here. You know, different so. Pond, different yeah. fish. And it's because of that. It's the people. I I think with Haynes Maxwell, I think we were talking about this, where it was like, there's something about, like, nobody recruits you to sell books. I feel like you kind of recruit yourself. It just happens that you, like, the timing worked out. Like, we're ponies that way. Like, yes. the, the, people want to say it was the money or the travel. And that probably was the initial hook. 
right? But at the end, you stayed and you didn't quit when it got hard because there was something in you that you were like, no, this is, I'm built for this. Um, it's funny that you say that because I also, I think when you come, when you first become a manager, right, they, they give you all this training and you get this stupid idea in your head that you're somehow the one who persuaded somebody to go sell books. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not, recruiting is not recruiting. Recruiting is finding. Recruiting is like, are you someone who likes hard things? Come with me. Don't be too afraid. I will go with you. And then, I mean, there's so many stories, right? My boss was recruited like during finals week, like three days before sales school. And he was a pig farmer in Iowa. And he's like, yeah, I'll go sell books. No problem. I'm in. Jumps in a car and does great and built a really extraordinary organization that so many other leaders have come from. Like it's, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a weird thing, right? You also, you also got people like Kate Walker who like, she's, she's watching someone who did this and she's like, I want to do this. Like they were not recruiting girls at, in her organization at the time. It was like the other half of the company where they were totally not into women. Selling cough, books. cough, inappropriate, <clears throat> stupid, missed a ton of units. <clears throat> Idiots. And which, which now we all know women sell way more books than men, which is hilarious. Dude. Like, of course, it's hilarious on them, right? Like, well, of course that makes sense because fucking yeah. women are I'm awesome. sorry, do you <laughs> not like money or winning? Was that the yeah. thing that was happening right there? Idiots. But she had to like beg to come on. And like, like there's there's something like a little bit of that in all of us where that did this, that, that. And that's also why you meet people who are like, this is a book person that never sold. You ever met someone like exactly. that? Where it's like, yep. oh, oh yeah. you, if you would have just been talked to about this in college. Yep. You been and they're amazing. so annoyed that they missed out. They're like, I would have yeah. killed it at that. And you're like, yes, you would have. Or you would have left in the first week because you weren't ready. Like your yeah. ego wasn't ready for the ego check that it is when oh. you're like sitting in your car crying into yeah. a PB&J sandwich in the heat of Georgia. I mean, that's, that's a hypothetical example. That's not necessarily real or something I experienced multiple times. Right. It's not something that happened uh, to me in upstate New York or Pennsylvania or upstate or, you know, New England. But you know, if, if that would, if that would have been that, that would have been now. Yeah. Now, okay. On that topic. All right. Let's, let's, let's roll the clock back. Small town, South Dakota trailer park. Who the heck Mm -hmm. were you when you first got approached about this thing and how to, how did that happen that you got into this? whole ordeal of Southwestern Advantage. Yeah. Um, So I was at the University of South Dakota in Vermilion, you know, the Harvard of the Midwest. Yeah. Heavy sarcasm on that part. Heavy sarcasm. Um, So I'm a freshman and I think I'm going to law school, right? I was, I, I went to high school in Spearfish, South Dakota, went to school across the state. And one night in my dorm room and I get this phone call from a girlfriend named Erin Indahl. And it goes something like this. (laughs) <laughs> like she's sobbing. She's crying so hard. I think maybe somebody's dead or wildly injured. Like, I mean, this is like, she's hyperventilating crying. It took me seven minutes just to get her to calm down enough. And this is what comes out of her mouth. I got a great summer job. <laughs> and then there's more crying, right? So like, Lovely. I'm very confused by this, but I'm, I'm listening to her and she's telling me about it. And by the time she's done, I say two things like in my own head. I'm like, this is for sure a scam. Like, this is some serious BS. There's no way you're making that much money in a summer. You got to go away. This is crap. But if it's not a lie, I want to do it too. <laughs> and so relatable, relatable. Right. So then, so I go into the room and I'm in the room and there was this guy that I went to high school with 
who looked just like Bon Jovi. Like he had the big epic mane of hair, like old school Bon Jovi before he cut it, right? Like living on a prayer Bon Jovi, huge hair, right? And so I go into my interview and there's like this guy that I'm in the honors program with and some other people and I'm sitting there and, and my friend Dave is like, nah, this is stupid. This isn't for me. He leaves. I can see the person at the front get nervous. And I'm like, I'm not, I, I want to do this. Like I'm clear it's not a scam. And then I'm kind of looking around the room and I'm like, is that Neil Renner? Like this guy I went to high school with, with the Bon Jovi hair, but now he had this crew cut and I was so confused. Like he was a rock star at our high school. And <laughs> so I, I just remember going through the whole thing and I was like, yeah, I'm in. And of course my parents just lost their minds completely. And my father had, you know, I'm from South Dakota. We had a lot of guns in the house. So I was a little worried for my student manager, but they got that all worked out. And, and then, um, I ran into a friend in the hallway and I said to her, Hey, I'm doing this thing. If they call you, you should do it. And I didn't think much of it. She goes to an interview, she gets recruited and I find out about it. And then I, I know a little bit more at this point. So I sit my boss, Jeff Hahn down and I say, Jeff, is that I'm not trying to like sink somebody else's boat or anything, but like this person that you've recruited, she's not going to be able to handle this. Like she's not, this is not for her. I thought maybe it would be, it's not. She's not going to make it, right? And um, that person was Virgie Sanford, and she proceeded Holy to cream me every single year <laughs> in every single category. And, and now, everybody else, really. <laughs> oh, my God, right? And now she's got this huge organization. She's still with the company, and I tried to talk Jeff out of letting her go. And she's a legend. I mean, she's Virgie is a le like still in the business legend, like – yeah. Whenever Virgie she decides to call it, hang up the hang up the bag, she's. Yeah. I mean, hi, gosh, she's a she's a unicorn. She's like she, an amazing human she being. She is a unicorn, and she really like. So she's a good example. So you talk about how people have changed, right? Virgie and I went to high school and junior high together. So I've known her since the seventh grade. Like when we were still having awkward sleepovers for your birthday out on the deck because it you know like in the summer it was bananas. Was her hair always that long? Was her hair always, always that, that long? long. Always cool. that long. Cool, in cool, fact, cool. it was funny cool, one cool. time. So <laughs> after I got done selling books, um, she called me one year and she was down in Texas at Baylor. And that was a hard school to recruit at. And she was like, mm. hey, um, and I was done selling books and kind of wandering, trying to find my place. She's like, if I paid for your ticket, would you come down and help me PC people? Like I've recruited a big team. My people have recruited big teams. Like I could just use some help, you know, getting everybody squared away. Right. So I fly down there and that for about 10 years, I would fly down and do that every single spring, which was so much Whoa. fun. Cause yeah. if you're kind of floundering in your own life and you haven't quite sorted yourself out and you go back to Bookfield land where you know what you're doing and can just be awesome on cue, it, it, it was such a gift. And, um, yeah. but I remember one time we're, we're standing in a bathroom and just getting ready to go on. And Virgie is wearing this beautiful, like sort of cream colored suit with an apricot shell, her long, you know, angelic blonde hair everywhere. And I'm standing next to her in all black from head to toe, looking like the angel of death. <laughs> like we were just, and for a long time, we were that sort of like good <laughs> and evil, right? Virgie would come in and be kind and sweet and i would come in and swear and yell and it, it ended up being this good balance because a lot of different people can be really successful at books right and she was 
leading one organization, but there were some people that she worked with that just didn't resonate with that kind of a message. And God knows you wouldn't have wanted me running an org all the time. There's a reason she's still around and I'm not right. Um, but yeah, it seeing her over the years, like really round out her leadership set. I mean, I remember her and I talking a lot about how you confront people, right? Like, what does that look like? Why, and how does that work? Cause that was something that made her really uncomfortable. And I was somebody who, they would always send me in. If somebody was off schedule, if they were struggling, I was the one. You you had a meeting with yes. Huck and she would get you back on track, right? And that yeah, was, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to like do the steely-eyed death stare to get them to admit how off schedule they are. You puke it up and then you can hit the reset and move on. But the two of us together over the years, I really learned a lot from her about how to bring people in and that you could actually be effective not being just really loud and aggressive, which was a revelation. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's a growth business though. That's what I, life is, it is a growth a, business. So that's the good. funniest thing she calls me one time and she was talking about some people she worked with and she's like, and they don't this and they're not consistent. And they, she's going on, on and on. And I go, God, almost sounds like they're missing a lot of skills. And she goes, yeah, I go, it's kind of like they need to be developed. Like they're young people who need to be <laughs> developed. She's like, that was just mean. That was just so mean. But hey, you know, sometimes I, I lean more on your camp where it's like sometimes the truth will out and that yeah. true is kind. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. kindness is being nice, but sometimes kindness is like, hey, you got to shave your head, man. You're getting bald. Like, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like, just it's OK. It's OK. I, I always say that I'm not I'm deeply kind, but I'm not necessarily very nice. Same. Like, nice is not my jam. Yes. Yes. Because it's not. Because sometimes nice is lying, and I'd rather be truthful than than nice. You know. What well, I mean? and the truth is, I'm I'm just really impatient. Like in a lot of ways, like my goal by the time <laughs> I die is just to be a basically decent person. Because I'm super impatient. I'm not. I'm like my set point is, could you hurry up because this is too slow and you're doing it wrong? And I I gotta walk that back all the time to just sort of you know function in the world and not yell at people too much. I feel seen. <laughs> I feel seen. <laughs> I'm We're going to get pins. There's going to be a little club just for those of us who are like, listen, I'm doing the best I can, but you're on my last nerve and I'm not that nice to begin and with. And you got to, yeah, like, come on now. Are you an eight on the Enneagram? I feel like you're an eight on the Enneagram. I am. Ooh, that, yeah, I just, same. Uh, one of the teams I work with, we're bringing in an Enneagram guy. What's your wing? Are you a seven or a nine? Seven. seven. <gasps> Me too. Do you know what the name of that subtype is? Maverick. Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I and studied. I didn't know that. I didn't know I that. I read a book. I came, but my company is called Maverick and yeah. Company. And I didn't know that <laughs> yeah. before I made that decision. That's so sweet. I didn't know that. Now you know. Oh, you know. yeah. I used, to think I, I used to think I was a seven. I used to think I was a seven, which is like the entertainer. But their basic mm -hmm. fear is feeling alone. And I'm like, no, I could be alone. I, I don't mind. Well, and sometimes. they're all about like, they don't want to miss out. Like eights deal with things by controlling what they don't like. Nines deal with it by ignoring. That's what Virgie is, by the way. That's a well-known fact. Sense. Not, that right? makes sense. And then yeah. sevens deal with it by distracting themselves with fun things. Yeah. And eights, yeah. the biggest, the basic fear of the eight is not being in control. And that like, yeah. when I read that, I was like, oh, ah, that's yeah. me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, sure. you know. If you're I'm somebody glad. that a lot of people sort of default to, like, hey, you must be in charge. Like, I don't know if people do that to you wherever I am. People sort of assume that I'm running the thing. Yeah. 
it's and it sounds like shitty to say it like like that but it, like like if i if i was to say yeah people run to me but no it's not even by choice it's just like sometimes it's like all right well i'm gonna do it then because nobody else has to do it i i gotta pull this whole thing by the bootstraps let's go like, okay what the hell are we doing? i Sitting feel around. super seen because that's i'm like i don't have an ego that i think i gotta be in control all the time same but if something needs to get handled Okay, so funny side story. I'm with some clients up in Wyoming at Cheyenne Frontier Days, and we have like the you know the kick the killer seats right up front because we're with the bank and blah blah blah. And then it was 25,000 people at the concert, so they've never had that many people at a concert or really any event in Wyoming. And we're trying to leave, and they hadn't done planning well in the parking lot, so it's just a disaster, right? There's no movement anywhere, and we're sitting there for like 20 minutes, and it's my CFO from the client that I work with, and then the banker that had invited us, and and you know, I gave it about 20 minutes, but I was can't do this. I'm not sitting in this parking lot for three hours. This is insane. So I actually jump out. And I direct traffic, like I throw a bunch of people through and then I pull our team through and I keep backing up until we get to the actual road. <laughs> and at one point, this guy in a pickup like runs up like he's going to run into me and he's like, why should I listen to you? And I go, because I'm the reason the line's moving. And if you'd like to ever leave, you'll do what I say, like, we're going to speed this up, right? Boom. And it took me about 25 minutes, I get our crews out to the road, I jump in, we drive away, and I assume the rest of the night was a disaster for everybody else. Oh, and, then, golly. and the guy driving the car looks at my CFO and he goes, is she really doing that? And, and Susan's like, I can't believe it took her this long. Yeah, that's, oh, I, like, I understand. Be I a problem like, solver, people. Just get to it. Yeah. Do you ever feel like, uh, like, I don't know, it, I've always run into this situation where it's like, look, it doesn't matter if we're doing the wrong thing, just do something, right? Because like, uh, I feel like a lot of times people are stuck when they feel stuck. It's just, they, yeah. they go, I don't know if I should go this way, if I should go north or south or east. It's like, listen, mm -hmm. you know how you'll know for sure is if you start going south and then shit hits the fan. If there's resistance <laughs> yeah. in life, that's not how life works. At least for me, in my life, I've right. do, you know, like if I go south and there's resistance, then try west. And if there's some resistance, yeah. but not as much, then maybe it's north. And all of a sudden you go north and there's no resistance. And then all yeah. of a sudden, it all flows and it's all, it, well, now we know the right direction, but the only way we found out is because we moved in the first place. Just move, yeah. go, get to it. Oh, I, there's this guy that I really like named Donald Miller. He does that. He did that book yes. called building a story brand, which is so brilliant, get close. right? Yeah. It's a great book. Oh my God. I don't know the other ones. I just know oh, that one. Cause I like I'm, it a ton. I've read multiple of his books. Actually, I haven't read the one that you're talking about. I was planning on it with, Ooh, it's really mind. good for marketing. Um, but it's interesting because he, he, he's like the thing that all successful people have in common is a, um, a bias toward being in action, mm -hmm. like yeah. move Ooh, yeah. the needle, do the thing. And I think, I mean, for me, part of what was so great about selling books. And I think there's some of that culture that I, I now as a professional would argue with, like. I'm not about sort of the endless grind. I think it's great if you're 19 years old, We sh it's good to practice just working, right? Like not talking yourself out of it, but just the habit of surrendering to what needs to be done that day and going to the next door, doing the next set of things. Um, as, a, as an adult and a professional and somebody who understands human behavior, I think it's really important to find your way of doing things and being mm -hmm. effective. But for me, I really, 
one of the best things I got from selling books was I learned how to really surrender. There's a part of my personality that can just hyper-focus on the work in front of me and sort of tune out everything else and shut down everything else and just do the thing that there is to be done. And that ability to be present in the moment and just, you know, all the dance that you do in your head where you're trying to talk yourself out of the thing that you need to do. Like your, your mind is like scrambling desperately yeah. trying to find a reason you don't have to pick up the phone or go to that yeah. next house. And five summers of going to the next house can make a huge difference because you just, it's like a, a mode that you can access inside your own brain, right? 100%. When I was, my, my wife the other day was just telling me, she's like, God, you have this like thing where like you just do the thing that you say you're going to do. Like you just yeah. go for it. I'm like, yeah, because that's, I don't know. That's just how I've always been. Like I wrote this in, in like two months, but it was because I was like, I knew I was going to at some point. And then I was like, yeah. you know what? I think it's time. It's COVID. This is a good opportunity for me to do it. And I said, if I'm going to do this, if I'm actually going to do this, it has to be done quickly because the longer that it waits, the longer that it sits yeah. to cook, it's not good. It's not good for like my brain. I have to just go get it done and then move on to the next thing. Right. Um, yeah. and so that's the, the, it's action. It's like if the whole adage of like, if, if not me, who, if not now, when, right? right. Like, why wouldn't I just go do it right now? Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm as young as I'll ever be. You know what I mean? Well, it's, <laughs> it's go. funny that you say that. Cause a couple of days ago, um, I did a, an event for a friend of mine. I did a thing on tactical confidence and I was teaching them. Right. So people talk about imposter syndrome all the time. And I'm like, that is such self-indulgent crap. Like if you're worried about you, your focus is on the wrong thing, right? Like if you and I were in, in a building and we look out and we see a car accident and somebody's laying in the street bleeding, we're not going to be like, oh, bummer, you're not a doctor and I'm not a doctor. That's too bad. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. No, you're going to run. Now, if a doctor comes along, get out of the way, right? Like let the doctor do the thing. But if you see somebody bleeding, you don't stop to worry about your own credentials. You just go and do whatever you can do to help. And I feel like part of where that got really cemented for me is my first year when I was a manager and my boss sat me down and, you know, there's something like, cause you don't know what you're doing and you're like, maybe I'm not the best person to manage this person, which, you know, having a good manager, I feel like is bonus, right? Cause you're either willing to do the work or you're not. And if you're, if you can just get through sales school, you know, everything you have to know to do well, cause plenty of people just have sales school and do just fine. Yes. But, um, I remember Jeff Hahn telling me, he's like, the reason that I am the best, he's like, you tell this to people, you tell them the reason I'm the best manager in the world for you is that nobody cares more about your success than I do. And that thing where you think about what you're committed to and what you're like, what you want to support, what you want to have happen and getting your confidence from that and just being willing to show up, right? Like all that training we got about be a problem solver. What do you think the answer is? Like, that's just not necessarily training that you get in other places. And a lot of people, when you first started a company, they don't trust you enough to give you anything to ruin or damage or do wrong, right? You're too managed yes. too tightly, but you have plenty of room to screw up on the book field. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so good. Uh, I worked for a company called SPS. It's actually how I was able to really learn how to publish a book. But they, they, one of the one of the key principles was fail fast, fail often, fail forward. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's what the book field really allows you to do. It's, it's yeah. just like, because you have so many at-bats. That it's not about selling to everybody, but it's just about learning from each door and being like, all right, yep. what did I do wrong? How much of that was in my control? How much of it was like completely right. not on me? And you start sharpening it so quickly. If you just 
but that, I think that's the key to getting the 30 demos every day. It's not about like the habit necessarily. I mean, it is, but, mm -hmm. but also in that is like, if you go get 180 at bats, you're a lot more well-informed as to what you need to do to tweak and fix. <laughs> than if you only go do 30 in the whole week. See, I get you the know? feeling that you were a little more, um, like you were willing to do more processing of how it was going for you. I was sort of like my first summer, especially just sort of hanging on for dear life. Most of the time, <laughs> like there was so much crying and so much snot. <laughs> like it was just, I mean, especially toward the end of the summer. Cause I, we sold in North Carolina that year and my thing going into the summer, like you were talking about Dan Moore going through the, you know, if you were captain of this and captain of that. And for me, the thing that got me in Dan's speech, he talked about that, um, that excuse that you make were like, well, if I really wanted to, I could have gotten a 4.0. If I really wanted to, I could have been blah, blah, blah. And man, I heard that. And like, you know, that horrifying moment where you're sure that they're talking about you and you're so found out mm. and you're like, oh my God, you don't even notice that 3000 people in the auditorium with you just had the same experience. And I, it really freaked me out. Like I went, I, uh, man, I think we were staying at probably La Quinta Inn or one of those little craptastic places just down the street from the company. And, you know, I'll <laughs> never forget because my, my sales. It's still there. Oh, I know. I saw it a few weeks ago. I have a client in Nashville and I, oh my God, it, even the smell of Landers Plaza, like I got a little <laughs> nauseous. I was like, oh God. I mean, just even being in the parking lot, I could vividly remember doing approach contests Ooh. with when I was a rookie, when I was, I was like, I was like, I gotta breathe. It's kind of like, even now you go up to a door every now and then, and there's toys on the porch and part of your stomach just clenches up like mother of God, why are we here? And I, I still do the same thing. I turn to the side every single time. And if you're with someone, they're like, what oh. are you doing? And you're like five summers, five summers. Yeah. <laughs> you even have the same dog, like, <laughs> like whatever. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, it's wild. So you, okay, hold on, hold on. We're all, oh, yeah, this is I forgot so fun. We were, oh, this is great. Okay. So first so Dan, summer, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Dan, so Dan does that thing, right? So then that night my sales manager was like, go write a letter to yourself, blah, blah, blah. And I'm shook up, like I'm rattled. You know how like later you find out we did that on purpose. Like we push you to a breaking point so that you crack in sales school instead of like the week later on the field when there's nobody around yeah. to help you. And um, funny We're side safe. story, I, I had a team one year, the year I field managed in Missouri, we had a couple of rookies that just got so gung-ho about everything that they learned all the sales talks and they knew every single thing in the book. So we had to like have an emergency meeting in sales school that year like, I don't know how we cracked these people because they did everything we told them to do. Like they were surveying classes for us. <laughs> Sharp. <laughs> it was fantastic. But um, I remember sitting <laughs> on the outside of that stupid La Quinta Inn near this soda machine and there's dead bugs everywhere because it's, you know, Tennessee in the spring and it's gross and there's this weird orange light and I'm just sitting there sobbing for like an hour and a half and I know I'm supposed to go to bed and I'm like having this come to Jesus moment about my whole life and I realized that I was always sort of in the realm of the top people in any category, but usually in the middle or in the bottom. So I was one of the best, but I was never the best because I would just kind of stop short of that. And I, all of a sudden I just was like, 
man, a lot of people probably wait their whole lives to figure out what they can count on themselves for. And I want to know now what I can count on myself for. Like I, I did grow up in a trailer in South Dakota and I, I didn't want that to be my future, right? Like I, my parents were incredibly hardworking, but I watched my mom stress out over the checkbook and the bank balance and all of that. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to live that life. So what are we doing? And I got really freaked out. And then I was like, I don't know how to make myself be number one, right? But I, I listened to everything they taught me. And I was like, you know what I could do? I could outwork everybody. That I could do. And I could control that. If I did that, no matter how many books I sold, I would feel really good. And so that was mm. the thing that I committed to for the summer, which turns out to be both the smartest thing I could have done and the stupidest thing I could have done. Because then you're just, <laughs> like, you can, you're always tied into just working as hard as you can. But it's funny because you, I mean, I really learned what I could depend on myself for. And um, it, that was a, that was a very pivotal life moment. I can still picture the bugs and the dirt and the stupid yellow light. Isn't that wild? Like we, I think we yeah. all have those moments that we can go back to and be like, that moment was like, it changed my life. That it yeah. was, that, that was the day where I, I, it, you can live your life and you can time your life from like, I, since that moment and before yeah. that moment. Right. What's yours? Um, I know some people have probably heard the story before, ooh. but no, actually, no. I don't talk much about my experiences as uh, as you imagine, because oh. yeah, um, I, I think I had a, a couple of them. Um, my why was a lot attached to uh, my proving to myself that I could do hard things, because mm -hmm. so, uh, up, to, up to that point in my life, you know, I, and I, I was I had a really good manager. Steve Thiden was my manager, and. Yvette was my DSM, so you can imagine you get like oh, some really good nuggets. God, I love her. I love <laughs> She's her amazing. so much. Love Yvette. Yeah. Shout out Yvette. Love you lots. If you're listening, we'll we'll tag you on this once once this goes. Call um, me when you're coming through for a ski trip. I miss you. Yeah, you're amazing, Yvette. But um, yeah, I, like so up to this point, you know, we moved to countries, right? And so, but that wasn't my choice. And I had yeah. heart heart surgery, and that wasn't my choice. And so all wow. of these things that happened in my life that were rough weren't up to me. Like it just happened. They happened to me. And so yeah. when I, I'm sitting there and, you know, the money, the travel, and that's, that was the original hook. But once I got to sales school, I realized like, Hey, this is, this is like a different thing altogether. Right. And, uh, and you know, you know, the feeling like, you're just like this is <laughs> like, not... Ooh, travel doesn't sound important to me anymore. Yeah. You, you stopped caring about those things, you know? And yeah. I remember I wrote the letter to myself and I was like, you're doing this because this is the first time you get to, to, to choose something hard that happens to you and then you get to choose to just deal with it you know like the, this is completely on me yeah. nobody's making me be here my parents didn't yeah. tell me to be here right nobody life didn't happen to me this is i i got in my car and i drove my ass to nashville and i'm here right and i put this yeah. i put this on myself and so how do i handle this um and so i think the 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 moment for me was just kind of realizing that that nobody was going to come and rescue me Right. It was nobody's responsibility to come yep. and do it for me. Nobody's going to knock on the doors for me. Nobody was going to um, like save you, no, save me. Yeah. It was up to me. I'm my own fucking superhero. Right. Put on mm -hmm. the damn cape. Right. And yep. walk like you're wearing a cape every day because 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 wow. nobody's coming, coming to, nobody's coming for you. It's you. It's on you. And and, and that sounds harsh. Right. And there's circumstances. That should be your next people. book. Like that's very powerful. Like put on your cape and walk like you're wearing a cape every day. That's really good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I just, I just, I, that was the realization. I'm like, there, yeah. it, it's not, it's not going to happen unless I do it. Like the, again, yeah. like it's up to me. 
Uh, yep. Things are out of my control. Shit's gonna happen. I know. I know that people have told me that. Yep. But at this, but at the end of the day, if I do well, I can look back without an ego and say yeah. I did that. That was because yes. of me. And if I do bad, I can look back for sure without yes. an ego and go, yeah, that was also because of me. And I had good summers and bad, but that yeah responsibility of it being on me, yeah, and it, it, it's empowering if you let it be. It, it, it gives you it gives you a sense of like. Damn, well, if that's the case, you could do anything. Yeah. Literally, you could do anything. Just just commit. And so oh, that was that. that was a that was a moment for me. I was like, whoa, like I can do it. You know, I don't know. And and don't you find too, like, I don't think we knew this at the time, but you know, they taught us things like who you're becoming is gonna be a function of the books that you read and the people you spend the time with, yes. right? Yeah, and I, I don't think that. any of us realized how big of a difference it makes to choose to be around people like the kind of people that go sell books for multiple summers. Yeah. Because when I look at my life now, I mean, you know, two of so that my first summer, Virgie and I were on the same team. We actually had the, t- the number one team in the company. We broke a 30 year company record. That was the first time that power ever beat education. Like we oh, nice. killed people. And, um, I'm still friends with a good chunk of people that were on that team, which is extraordinary. Right. And they're, they're, I mean, it's, it sounds kind of douchey to say, I guess, but sometimes I feel like I've got these really extraordinary people that are my close friends. And then I've got a bench of also really extraordinary people who would be my best friends if the bench weren't already full. And then there's like a third tier, right. And then you meet a different book person who's now, an entrepreneur running whatever it is that they're running. And you're like, wait, I want to be best friends with you too. Like it's the quality of people and people who I think of it like a five layer friendship where you can, you can talk about business and your spirituality and your commitment to your family and all these other things. Like just, just being part of that network, I think is, is wildly powerful. And you have to have kind of a good sense of humor, right? Like you can't make it through the book field and be too uptight. You're just not going to make it. Uh, that theme. Well, and it's interesting. Oh, you are awesome. The the theme of um, <laughs> no, you're awesome. <laughs> the the theme of identity has come up a lot in the show. I think that's been the most common thing in the last month. Where it's been like it's been like some sort of it's the same quote, uh, but in a different dress. In per episode, where which has been like don't take yourself too seriously take what you're doing seriously type of vibes yeah. because you're right i mean and again it, it, again it, it's not that it sounds douchey it's just i think here's what it is is for you to do well or not even do not not well as from the standpoint of selling a lot of books right. but for you to do well from a standpoint of like getting through the summer in a way that is sane to you even if you don't sell a yeah. ton of books in a way that wasn't a struggle yeah takes a certain kind of mentality which belongs to a certain kind of person which yeah. is what we have in common, right? Because the people that quit, we don't identify with. Not yeah. because they're bad people or because we're good people. It has nothing to do with their character or or yeah. their, yeah, like nothing like that. But again, it goes back to like, you might've sold more books than I did total. I might've sold more books than you did total. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What really matters though is, hey, when it was week 11 on a Wednesday and you could have just stopped and you didn't, mm-hmm. I know what that's like. 
I also know yeah. what it's like to just to actually do quit because I was completely off schedule my third summer and I was in a bad place, right? And I, yeah. so I understand both sides of it. But but looking back, you know, it doesn't matter. Like none of that stuff matters. What matters was like you learn these things about yourself, and so I can trust that you know that. And that it, yeah. and that rapport is so established so quickly because yeah. it's like, oh, you sold five summers. Okay, you know some shit that most people in the world probably don't know. Yeah. Because they're too caught up on being identified and tied to their job or their yeah. money or their like faith, even like it just not that those things aren't important, but like there's more to it than that. And you learn that by going out and selling five summers. You know? Well, and if you sold for five summers, you probably whiffed it real hard at one summer, right? Like for me, it yeah. was my second summer in Georgia. I mean, I literally still have. So I want to skip around a little bit. So you were talking about like that's that fine it's your podcast you can do whatever you want i know right i do what i want i'm an eight with a seven wing suck it no just screw it um, <laughs> <laughs> yes i want to yes. get into the octagon with will metcher and pound him for no i'm just kidding um it's just fun to harass people um he's listening i hope he's listening <laughs> why wouldn't he be listening it's episode should 103 be. like this is going to be one of the ones that you're like 103 baby it was 102 well i don't know i hope 103 is good too then but 102 but is really going to set a yet. new standard for uh, from which all others will be judged um but you know my boss my first summer he's like huck what you want everybody called me huck when i was in college right which became nice, at one nice. point very very funny because then people thought it was my first name and they would look at me and they would go <laughs> huck and i would I and i would it. say which yeah it was yeah but how i yeah there's a ton of funny stories that's another story for another time um but my boss said to me he's like what you want to have huck is a relaxed sense of urgency and i got urgency right urgency i could do all day yeah. long in my sleep relaxed sense of urgency that took me till my fourth summer to figure out where you're like intentional and <sighs> moving but you're not wound so tight you want to die or kill someone like it, it was such a mental game. And I, I count myself really lucky that I had people along the way. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who, who probably should have sold four or five summers, but they didn't get that magic combo at the right time, right? Like there was, for a lot of us, we might've flunked out too, except for this PC by this person on this Sunday. And that's the thing that helped us over that one pivotal hump, right? Like, I think there's some people who were going to gut it out no matter what. But I also yeah. look at some of those orgs where everybody quit. Like, your buddy was talking about one, right? Um, he's like, yeah, everybody could. There were like three of us left and we all became DSMs. Or, you know, and you're like, well, that's yeah. not surprising. But it, it <laughs> just, it takes something to get all the way there, right? So yeah. interesting. I think also, too, I mean, this is something I learned much later after I left Southwestern, but like yeah. there, there, you, and you kind of alluded to this where it's like, sometimes there is, there is a, there's importance of balance. And I think that's yeah. something that Southwestern doesn't do as well to teach. Um, where, where <laughs> I don't think they even try to teach balance. They're not interested in balance. No. And I think no. that that's appropriate when you're 19. I think there's something to be said for going full tilt boogie at that age, but I don't think those same rules apply at this stage of life. Yeah, no, like sometimes like I'll be, I'll be doing work and I, and I look up, I'm like, man, I've been working for like, I've been like, I have a standing desk. I'm like, I've been standing here for like six hours straight. Like I should probably eat something, but then yeah. I'm eating and I'm like, shit, I'm behind. I should be doing stuff. And then I have to like consciously tell myself, no, no, no. You worked six straight hours. Yeah. Like eat, 
It's a watch TV. It's okay. Like go turn on a show, enjoy your meal, be present, be in the moment and enjoy that. Cause you're not in the book field. You don't have to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and go take a cold shower. It's okay. Oh, right? dude. Wait, wait till you get to, to your forties and maybe you have a little therapy in between now and then it'll be perfect. <laughs> you you won't have that problem anymore. <laughs> this is therapy. Like the reason I do this is I get therapy two times a week talking to, talking you're like, about my I Southwestern daddy issues. Other lunatic <laughs> who sold books door to door. Well, <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because one of the theories that I have that I've never actually tested out. I think that most people, you know, we all sold with some of those unicorn people who could like sell, like, I mean, I followed Tanya Thomas was the number one first year dealer my first summer. So she was number one. Virgie was number two. I was like number eight. Sandy Doolittle, my roommate was number 14 on the back. You know, like we, we stacked the superstar book that year. We were so lucky to be in that kind of org. But um, my theory is that most people who are really, really great at sales, who are like unnaturally, like they just, I followed Tanya once. She, she walked in, she said some stupid crap. Everybody bought the bag. And I was like, I don't even know what happened. Like I didn't even learn yeah. anything because that didn't make any sense. Like but Matt Atchison's I, like that. Oh my God, it's so frustrating. But I think, and now after seeing a bunch of different um, industries, I think people who are really good at sales, a lot of us have difficult childhoods. Like we have some kind of trauma in our childhood. We have maybe parents who weren't quite ready to be parents or like, but my experience is that people have some underlying stuff that really drives them to be successful. And that also equips them with some special skill sets, like reading people, you know, if, if you had some violence in your home, reading people, wasn't just a good thing to be good at. It was a survival skill you needed to develop to make it out. And so it, I just think, I think my observation now looking back is that a lot of us were wound really tight and it's, mm. you know, it's yeah. kind of a miracle that as many of us made it through as did, and it's easy to understand how you can take that, those behaviors and pour them into a container of a single summer where that's all there is to focus on. And I'm not trying to bash it. I mean, for me, that the fact that Everything else I've done in life, there's a lot of other factors that go into something, but I feel like the summers were uniquely secluded, right? It was just yours. You weren't doing 20 things like when you were at school or when you have a professional life. You were just selling books and managing people. It was all about the book field. Sometimes I tell people, it's like, if you went to summer camp, it's, it's like summer camp. Like you're always at camp. It's not like you just worked when you were working. The whole thing was about that. And not much stuff in life is like that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And if people listening to this, they're about to go to their first summer or you're in the middle of because people will listen to yeah. this like in June. Right. And if you're listening to this, you're in the middle of summer. Like there's people that always go, Oh, I got to, I, I, I always remember when you'd recruit the person, they'd be like, Oh, can I work out in the mornings before and after? And you're like, I mean, <laughs> you're like yeah, that's adorable. No. but no, that's not the point. No, just go do the shit out of it. If you can't focus on one thing for three yeah. months when you have no other responsibilities, like you have no yeah. kids, you're not married. I, Normally speaking, people yeah. aren't married at well, 19, right? You know, people sometimes in the they South are. do it different than people do from the Midwest and our next yeah. woods. Yeah, yeah. But generally speaking, you know, you got no other responsibilities. It's yeah. your summer break and you got nothing going on. So like you can totally learn to focus yeah. for four months and just go do the crap out of it. But really the way to squeeze all of the juice out of the summer in a in a, in a southwestern summer is you, you have to make it the only thing. It's that it's it, yeah, that's it. And that, yeah. that's how you'll get the most out of it for sure. One hundred percent. No doubt. I no kind doubt. of, um, 
sometimes when people ask me, I say that the thing that's interesting about Southwestern, you know, those, I don't know if you ever had those, we used to throw them in a keg of beer and a bunch of vodka and some ice and make like, uh, they call them strip and go nakeds. So you take lemonade, concentrate, beer, what? ice, and vodka. I know, right? And you just, listen, it was South Dakota, okay? We didn't have a lot going on. This was, One you second. know, the internet was just becoming a thing. They're very, they're really good. They taste kind of like a Rattler. If you've ever been to Oktoberfest in Germany, they put a little lemonade in a lot of the beers. So good. But anyway, okay. sidebar. Um, so lemonade <laughs> concentrate though, is like, it, it's the summer is like life concentrated because that's yes. all you're up to, right? And normally when you're at school and you don't like, you don't want to work on a paper, you can go down to the pub with your friends or go talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend or play a video game or get on social media. Like you have all these distractions. So you get to avoid the you that doesn't want to work on the paper. In the summer, what I try to explain to people is it's, it's unique because it's so much more concentrated. So your highs are going to be higher and your lows are going to be lower and your hard things are going to be harder and your good things are going to be better because it's concentrated because that's all that you're up to. And that is 100%. both a blessing and a curse. It's the reason that you can get so much out of it. Like even as an adult, it's really funny because now I'm a management consultant and people will say, well, how'd you, how did you learn all this? Like where there was, they get really confused. They're like, how do you know how to do all this? And I, I look at them, I go, I'm highly trained. Like I sold books. Yeah. And when you sell books, it's like they're the, it's like the fruit flies of the business world. Because when you do research with fruit flies, you can get a whole bunch of generations in a short period of time because they have a small life cycle. When you sell books, the conversations you have in the spring, you know two weeks in whether or not those worked. The things you talk to people about on Sunday, you know by Monday night when the stats roll in whether or not your conversation was effective. So your, your feedback loops are faster and there's so many more of them. Like that kind of learning ability is... I mean, really extraordinary and it, it can be a brutal grind, but I, I just, I know it sounds cliche, but like, I really do thank God every day that I sold books because it changed how I learn, how I attempt to do new things. And, um, it just, I think people assume that after you sell books, you can just sort of like leapfrog the corporate ladder and just like, Oh, I'm instantly successful. No, 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 no you're not necessarily going to get the high job, right? But what it is going to do is help you progress through the ranks faster because some of the stuff that we learned as managers that we take for granted, I teach to people now. It's wild. It's and, wild. And they're yeah. like, you're a genius. And I'm like, I know I am. Yeah. You should write more checks to <laughs> me. That would be amazing. Please Keep do. paying me. I know something you don't <laughs> pay me. Yes. I will teach you all of the secrets. I am the grandmaster. Of course. But it, it's so funny because my brother talked to me about this. He when was he was sitting with Dave Brown at some point. My brother's a DSM now, but uh, oh, he nice. at, at some point he was like sitting down with Dave Brown and he was like following him to go to I got a consult before he was supposed to meet with him. He he went to a consulting yeah. meeting with him and whatever. So and he sits down with Dave and he's like, he's like, All right, here we go. Like he's about to do a whole presentation to this company and he's gonna teach him the like the business. This is the shit right here. This is like, oh all right. And Dave Brown literally sits down and goes, All right. Oops, sorry. Schedule is your lifeline. Uh -oh. oh, did I lose you? There we go. Oh, okay, we're back. Yeah, you're back. You're good. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. I so, so I get. So Dave Brown sits down and goes, "All right, schedule is your lifeline." To this like whole company, and Danny's like, "My brother." He's like, "What the hell?" Like, 
This is the basics? Oh, wait, oh. Have, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. Do you want me to log out and log back in? Wait, can you hear me now? I can't hear you. Ooh, wait one sec. Could be me. Could be me. No, I think it's on my phone. See, it's a good thing we're problem solvers, or this could really be an issue. <laughs> Should I log back out? Okay, I'll be right back. You keep telling the story, though. I'm going to just roll with it. I'll keep telling. Can you hear me now? Tatanka. Sounds <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Um, now it could, and that could be now. If you're joining us, thanks for joining us. There's a couple people that just joined. We are in the middle of a thick conversation about all the good things and bad things that came to uh, the surface about our personalities selling books. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. Um, we are happy to announce we're brought to you as we wait for Alicia to come back. We're brought to you uh, in part uh, by Southwestern Real Estate. So as she gets back on, we'll kind of let her know that this is what we're doing. I'm getting feedback right now telling people that could, telling us that we can, that we can, that we're being heard. So this is good. But uh, shout out to um, Pat Roach and the folks over at Real Estate who are with us and support us. We, one of the very, very early on uh, sponsors who joined us. Oh, we're back. I can hear you again. Hallelujah. Oh, we're back. I was just talking about Pat Roach. Ooh, I love Pat Roach. Southwestern Real Estate, baby. Pat's a good guy. He's the coolest guy. Like, you, you know, if you buy a house 10. from him, if you buy a house from him, this is a little known fact, okay? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Not everybody knows this. If you buy your house from Pat Roach, you actually get better looking the day you move in. This is true. It's a thing. This is it's true. Thing. Yeah, my brother is much better looking than I am, but now it's not even close. He's bought multiple homes from Southwestern Real Estate. That, that makes complete sense to me, man. We used to be like neck and neck. <laughs> and now, I mean, I mean, I went downhill. Look at this. Look at this. This is just... <laughs> It's just the only thing stopping my hair from falling is the floor. Um, uh, listen, <laughs> we, should we get you a wig? We can get you. I no. mean, what do we need to do here? I will pitch in. No, I'll take we're gonna ownership. Start for it. We're going to start a collection. No, I'll take ownership for it. But I think it's true. I mean, <laughs> honestly, more than anything, if you, it turns out like, have you noticed that like all of the good looking people work at Southwestern real estate as well? That's like kind of like a, like a, like every time we had Grant Greeter on here, I'm like, God, how are you so good looking at like is Grant at Southwestern Real Estate? Yeah, and yeah. he's the shit about it. I think that's Botox. No, man, I think it's. I'm just I think kidding. Just I have no idea. Wine. I'm just, I'm just hazing Grant. <laughs> I'm just hazing Grant. But if you see him, ask him who does his Botox, just for fun, just for. Fun. I'll ask him. But the dude gets. Yeah. He's like, he's like wine. He gets better looking with age. You know. Um, well, yeah. he's he's always been slick. Like Grant was like. You know, there are some people who are like charming. Grant was like charming with like a purpose. He had that deadly kind of charm. He could just get away with anything. He's just, yeah, Grant Greeter. There you go. But yeah, yeah. so yeah. We, did you know that we were sponsored by Southwestern Real Estate? Did you know that? Yeah, I heard it on one of the other podcasts. And um, I just, I thought that was so smart that somebody did that. And I ran into Pat Roach at a party at um, Todd McWhorter's house years ago. So it's hard to keep track of what everybody is up to, right? Like global domination sort of spreads out the troops. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does. He's doing a good job there too. Like the, the, everybody that we've had on the show from there, they're like rave. Like you Aww. never hear about real estate agents talking about like how, you know, 
something yeah. about like the, the the i mean just the culture you know just he likes to say it's 99 drama free and we and we know that that has got to be true if you know if you know him and you know how yeah. he would like to run that company it's great so oh, yeah. on the on side note to finish that up that thought up yeah if you are uh you know if you know alicia if you know somebody or yeah. if you're listening and you know somebody or you yourself that you're listening i know a lot of people maybe i know somebody Send them over to Pat, who, if they're interested in being in real estate, it's a low barrier to entry because of oh, that co culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, reach out to us. You know what? Uh, it's great yeah. that you said that because I actually have a girlfriend that I know we met on the Sizzler. She sold books out of Ohio State. And uh, and we met on the Sizzler trip. And she just the other day was like, hey, I think I might think about real estate now. And I should have her get in touch with Pat. Yeah. See, look have at that. Have her reach out to us. And they get it, they're guaranteed an interview if they sold books with Pat. So well, uh, there you go. Yeah. So See, yeah, look at that. we're solving problems. We're bringing people <laughs> together. How many units have you sold so far? Let's, let's have that call. Yeah. Yeah. What was, <laughs> what was your top to week? Field. What was your best summer? Oh God. Um, you know, what's funny. I don't, I'm not even saying this to be coy, like who cares? And I don't really remember it was, I'm so my first summer, I, I know my first summer I sold 3,800 units and that was before Ooh. we had computer stuff and they you know most of that was honestly cookbooks we used to sell these cookbooks <laughs> called yeah god bless him joe gustafson i don't know whether i love him or hate him for this but he's been selling books for three summers and my first summer i followed him my first week because he was the most fun guy on the book field and my manager had a you know an idea that i might need some help lightening up which was 100% true and joe <laughs> taught me this really obnoxious it was a three unit sale for this stupid cookbook and he would get all dramatic with it, right? Like, it's the great American encyclopedia of cooking. If you want to cook possum, if you want to, and it was just, I mean, it was this huge, big, grandiose thing. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, look at this poor, hot mess of a girl melting on my porch, trying to sell me some stupid cookbook. <laughs> and then of course I had to deliver all those damn cookbooks. So like, you know, hours and hours of my life lost in North Carolina trying to figure out where to take love. a $12 cookbook for the love of God and all love. the shipping charges. Amazing. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I don't even remember what we were talking about just now. I just, I have such painful flashbacks, but all it's most of the stuff, oh, what did I sell? So my first summer I sold 3,800 cause my goal was three, 3,000 and I sold 3,800, 3,870 or something. And then, um, my second summer, I did about the same because I was, oh, God, did I suck. I actually have in my office to this day, my second summer, we went to Georgia. Before I left Georgia, I all I wanted that summer was to make a difference for other people, like people had made a difference for me. But nobody told me that you shouldn't just yell at people all the time to have them do well. They didn't. Nobody gave me wow. the heads up. It wasn't about controlling and correcting people. It was about supporting people. And so they put me in charge of stuff and I got my stuff done. Right. But it wasn't pretty. So I, I struggled and, um, and I was, I was a pretty big failure. Like my team quit, my roommates quit. Like people were leaving me in droves. This should have been a sign that maybe we make an adjustment halfway through, but I didn't get it. And so before I left Georgia, I stopped in this field. I had one last cry and I scooped up some stupid Georgia dirt with my tears in it. And I put it in a glass jar that is still on my desk to this day. No way. Oh God. It's on the oh. desk because I wanted a reminder because I had gotten so far, like I just wanted to help people the way they helped me. And I got so far off track. 
And it was years later, actually, thank God she said this, this uh, woman, her name is Rachel Barber, amazing book chick. And she was a first year that year. And I was like, well, you know, my first summer or my second, my first summer as a manager was such a, a mess. Like I really did a lot of damage. And let's be clear, I did a lot of damage. A lot of us made stupid choices that summer in Georgia. I personally did a lot of damage. And what? Rachel, God bless her. She's like, Huck, I was on your stat line. She's like, everything I know about how to be a good book chick, I learned from you that first summer. Cause she's like, you would cheer me on and help me, th you know, and, and it was, it was such a extraordinary blessing. Cause I've been carrying around all this weight. Like I ran into one of the girls on my team that quit that year here in Denver in a yoga studio. And I practically like started hyperventilating in. And I was like, Oh my God, is that Carmen? Is that Carmen? Is that Carmen? And finally in the end, we're back in the room and I go, Carmen. And she's like, Oh, Alicia. And she's like, no big deal. And I go, and you know, I'm all heavy and sick. I go, Hey, I just oh. want to apologize to you because I, I never should have let you sell books that summer. You weren't ready. And she starts laughing and she goes, Oh my God, I never should have sold books that summer. I was so nice. And she just like, it was not a big deal to her at all. And I've been carrying around all this guilt all these years. God. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was like, you just That's don't wild. know. Right. Yeah. Let me, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to. You could. This could be a story for another time, but maybe somebody out there <laughs> needs to listen, hear this. But let me know. I like it. This like, is juicy. I want to hear. Yeah. What happened? What happened your second summer specifically that you think that like was not good? Because maybe yeah. maybe somebody listening to this can avoid yeah. this mistake or whatever. Like, what specific things did you do that like yeah. allowed you to be like, shit, this that was not a good move. Yeah. Well, I'm a pretty emotional person, right? And everybody at Southwestern always wants you to be consistent, which I think is a great and fine goal. But if you are a really emotional person, your game is not to be consistent because you're not going to be consistent. You can do consistent effort and you can do consistent attitude, but your results are probably going to go up and down. You should be minimizing the bottom and maximizing the top. So I went out, I mean, I'd done really well my first summer. I was, top, I was number eight in first years. We killed it as a group. And I think we rolled in a little cocky, right? Like we had recruited a lot of people. I had put a bunch of sharp kids on my team, but um, I know for sure a couple things. So one, in my personal sales, I didn't work as hard as I did my first summer. And mm -hmm. I think it was one of those things where my first summer I'd been so clear that what there was to do was work that hard. And then my second summer, I just kind of got sucked into the quicksand. like you know, it's not going well, you're struggling, bad things are happening with your team. I mean, our org, we had a, our, our um, assistant OL quit like the third or fourth week. It was his fourth summer. Oof, that's rough. And he was, he was pivotal to how, you know, so like all a bunch of us made big mistakes. My boss sat me down at the end of the summer and he's like, here's what I screwed up. Here's what our OL screwed up. Here's what the AOL screwed up. Here's what you screwed up, Alicia which was amazing, but brutal, right? And so I wasn't working as hard. I mean, Joel was gone, that broke my heart. We'd been, he was one of the reasons I was successful my first summer and that was a choice he had to make for himself. And then um, the team was falling apart. I know for sure what I did wrong as a manager because I've given this speech a zillion times to new managers. I tried to control and correct people because we try to lead like our parents and our teachers and our coaches lead, but that's not an appropriate model for two people who are college students selling books door to door. Like what you should be doing your B summer, your first year you're a manager is supporting people 
and leading by and really leading by example you should be out working them you should be out hustling them and you should be there if they need to cry or puke or whatever right but confronting people managing their choices one thing to the next i just i was i was just a big heavy weight on people when that was the last thing they needed and then in our organization you know they put me in charge of um like supplies or something and collecting cash so i would stand up in a sunday meeting which i now understand needs to be like a happy place away from all the stresses of the book field where you're just getting killed by mrs jones every day but i thought my job was to collect the cash so i would stand up and like yell at people if you don't pay me your 20 dollars by this time you're gonna buy. like i was harsh and i was mean and i was intense because i knew how to get results that way and i didn't know another way and i didn't nobody had ever i never knew how much damage it would do I thought the job was the task. And now I understand your job is the task and to manage the environment. You want to create an environment in which people can thrive. And that's how you get tasks done. It's a both and it's not an mm -hmm. either or. And so, and just really a pretty decent sized ego and a lack of humility. And it, it really just all created a big toxic soup. And I got to tell you, it was, it was pretty soul crushing because I wanted, I mean, there were people my first summer who had conversations with me that I can still recount to you now that still have altered the trajectory of my life and the choices I've made as a professional, things I've repeated to other people to help them. And I wanted to give that to somebody else. And so to fail at it and feel so horribly and to do the exact opposite of what I had intended when I got back to campus, it took me a good six months to come out of my shell. And I'm really lucky that my boss was in the business of developing young people and was willing to give me another shot and help sort of smooth the way with the people I sold books with because they were understandably not excited about having me around because I had been, you know, a pretty harsh, out of control nut job. And, you know, to my credit, I was a 20 year old kid. I was in way over my head. I didn't have the training that I needed and our organization fell apart around me. But I also have the responsibility of the choices that I made and all that. And it, it was that was a really tough summer. Sounds like a rough <laughs> like, uh, shit. Wow. Like, and why was there a third, fourth and fifth summer? Yeah, that I, that well, it was either going to be that question or were you off schedule, but whatever, you know, you pick. No, you do I was choice. definitely off schedule. I mean, and, oh, I was you know, off schedule. my third summer. I wasn't doing all the, you know, like I wasn't going and doing fun stuff off schedule, right? I was the stupid oh. off schedule where you're just doing crap demos and counting them and like, I don't know why it's not working. Like, I mean, it was, I just, I'm really grateful in retrospect because that summer went so wrong that it taught me something um, really important about leadership, right? That I never forgot. And after that, I worked really, really hard. And, you know, I didn't do a great job as a manager my, my third summer either. I mean, my roommates didn't quit and that was kind of a miracle, but they both hated me a pretty lot. You know what I mean? Like I was still not getting it. I thought it was, you could, and I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I wanted to control everything, right? So it's interesting now because now I work with CEOs and C-suite teams and you, you can't control them. And part of the reason I'm good with them is because I learned how to support people in their own development without controlling them, right? Like helping them in the direction they actually want to be helped in. And I can confront people with the best of them and have really hard conversations. But mm. 
I mean, that was something I learned on the book field and I didn't learn it the easy way. I learned it the hard way. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and I'm glad that we're doing this as we kind of go through your career in, in the book business, because it's kind of, it makes sense chronologically <laughs> for some reason, but it's working. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting. My, so my third summer, I was super off schedule. So I get it. Like I did the fun stuff though. My, that third summer, I went to the movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> Kids, if you're it's listening fun. and you're going to go sell books, don't do the don't fun do stuff or the dumb stuff. Just go knock on the next door. Yeah. It's better. 100%. Believe us. Yeah. 100%. 100%. However, some movies are really good to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so, so, you know, don't do it if you're going to do that. Don't go to sell books yeah. if that's what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. I ate shit that, that, I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff externally, you know, yeah. personally, we're going all, like my parents are getting divorced, all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, that's never an excuse. You know what I mean? I, and I, and I think that's the lesson I learned. Reasons like, and make... excuses are not the same things, right? And contributing yeah. factors, I feel like, is a fair thing to say, hey, my world was blowing up and I didn't necessarily handle that as well as I could have. And my world was actually blowing up. Like, that's a real thing. That's a thing. Yeah. Shit does hit the fan. For yes. sure. Well, I, I mean, on all, I think I should have sold only the two summers looking back just yeah. because of the situation or How I should have skipped. Sell? I sold four. Oh. I skipped after my third one. That was way off schedule. I skipped that next one and then I came oh. back for one more and that one didn't go as hot either, but I wasn't, oh my schedule God. Five, but I was like super not into it. Yeah. You're so interesting. Why did you come back after <laughs> skipping one? And how did you talk yourself into that? That was rough. My brother, my brother talked me into it because oh. he had needed help. Yvette and Grant had just left. I actually did tell this story recently, oh, but but long yeah, story short is he was sense. like, "Hey, I need help recruiting." Yeah, because Grant and Yvette just left, and oh. I'm in charge of the force. So I was like, "All right, wow, fine." And he's probably he's, pretty persuasive because he's like a DSM now. So those guys yeah, are he's, slick. They he's know what slick. to say. He's sharp. He's sharp. Don't cut nobody, Denny. He's sharp. But um, <laughs> he, 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 um. Uh, I don't know. I think my strength was definitely in the training. Like I'll yeah. still give, like my brother will still call me and be like, Hey, I have a kid that needs like some, like, mm -hmm. psh, psh. can you just yeah. call him on the phone on, on a Sunday awesome. and I'll still yeah. call the kid and we'll talk, we'll talk for like, we'll do the like, a, PC, a PC for like an hour on a Sunday meeting after yeah. the Sunday meeting on this drive back. And then the kid will do well. So like my strength yeah. was always in the coaching and the training. I always did that part. Well, yeah. um, I just didn't like, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Honestly, you know, you get to the point where you're like, it's a hard job. Fucking sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm done. I remember my fourth summer was probably my best. I don't remember if I did better or the same, my fourth and fifth summer, but my fourth summer is when I really got relaxed sense of urgency. And I remember because it was so cute. I, I called my sales manager, the same guy who had recruited me one day. And I said, oh, by the way, Heather is in the car with me, one of my roommates, right? And he starts laughing and he goes, Huck, I don't know how you're doing it. And I go, what do you mean, Jeff? And he, cause I had two roommates that summer. One of them would cry every morning during executive exercises. She was sobbing all the way through exec. <laughs> the other one, and she quit eventually, right? The other one, yeah. <laughs> the other one, like followed me, we counted it up, like something, like an insane, like 30% of her summer and somehow still managed to make Sizzler. So she would follow me for like half a day to get her rolling. And Jeff was like, you're living in this nightmare headquarters. But what he didn't realize is, and I just kind of laughed because I was like, oh, I hadn't really noticed. Like I was just so dialed in 
like I was, I was in the zone. I was selling a lot of books. I was working really hard. I was loving it. And I wasn't like their stuff just didn't impact me. I just had my blinders on. I just did my thing. And I think I'd figured out some stuff about how to manage people. So I wasn't trying to micromanage their lives. Right. But I think my best summer is probably five or probably under 6,000. And maybe my best week I was at 750 came close to hitting Mort and then like, you know, freaked myself out and crashed the last three days of the week, which that's brilliant. Right. I love that you yeah. have the little notes like, Hey, here's what this is. Here's what this is. And in case someone's listening, they don't know what Mort means. It's like, Hey, yeah, that's what that means. Oh, that's, that's helpful. This is good quality programming here. Damn right. If we're going to do it, do it right. You know, that's, that's the whole point of the whole ponytails podcast is we do it right. We do it right. Dude. Um, yeah, that's legit. I, I think that that that's cool that you grew. My, I didn't. I I, yeah. I like mine went down, but that's okay. Everybody has. Listen, you, know? you can't help it that you were brilliant right out of the gates. That's not your fault. Come on, man. I was so cool right out the gates. So good, and then I sucked <laughs> really bad all the way after. It was not good. Um, it was like funny a funny side story. So I was in North Carolina, right? I'm in Davie County, North Carolina, which has seen book people for 30 years. The sum, And it's a small county. There's only two high schools, which for those of you who don't know, that's not a lot of territory for a whole summer. And the summer before, there was this guy named Jonathan Wright who had come through and there was a varsity guy, a competing company, and they basically saw each other in Davie County and decided to split the territory. So oh. they each got one one high school district and that was it. And so Jonathan, get this, dumps 8,000 units in my territory, <laughs> in half of my territory before I get there. Oh, and shit. so I show up and it's funny because you joke about it, right? But you're like, if you just spend enough time with Mrs. Jones, she will teach you how to be good at sales. So eventually my approach became... Hi, um, my name's Alicia. I'm that good looking college kid that's been talking to all the moms. Last year they sent around a good looking guy, or I, I go, I've been talking to all the families. Last year they sent around a good looking guy for all the moms, and I would wait and they would all go, Oh, yep. Because the high school girls told their parents, <laughs> Don't don't see the books unless I'm there. Like you have to wait till I'm there because this hot college guy was coming through showing everybody books. And then the moms would always laugh and they're like, oh, we got them last year. I'm like, yeah, everybody did. And then I'd say this, I go, I'm not a professional salesman like Jonathan was. I just get credit for showing these to all the moms. <laughs> Which you do. <laughs> Which you do. you do, like that was legit. I really did get the college credit, but it was, um, oh my God, yeah. So then later you're just like, yeah, I'm the sexy one which is not something you can say when you're talking to moms and dads. <laughs> <laughs> Although some mom and dads welcome oh. that kind of talk. And then you're like, oh shit, you're the kind of people that that was the right thing to say. And oh, that's dude. probably wrong. That's not good. That's bad. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not good. It's, it's, it's a long, lonely summer in many different respects. Yeah. Things there's a lot a of lonely weird. dads and lonely moms out in the book field. That's just, it's, it's, it's it got weird. But that happened in my third summer. This is an uncensored podcast, so I'm going to go for oh, this. Oh, Lord. But Here we I, go. I had, I had a mom who was training to be a masseuse, and at the end of the summer, she owed me like 70 oh. bucks for the second half of the Explore and Learns. Yeah. And, you know, it's the end of the summer. You oh, haven't God. seen please, someone your age. Please don't go X or R rated here. No, 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 no. It, <laughs> it, it, it's, she was just like, hey, yeah. will you exchange a massage for books? And I was like, you know what? Fine. And I took You're it. It was like, just yeah. a massage. 
Yeah. Oh, Listen, okay. it's it's like four days into deliveries. You know, your back's oh, hurting from carrying the damn books. Dude. And it's my, like the like, last delivery of the day. You're like, yeah. you know what? My back is. Oh, you should totally take a massage. Yeah, I'll take my that. third or fourth summer, I got bit by a dog. Or no, wait, no. I sprained my ankle really bad. I had like a third or fourth degree sprain and I ended up on crutches. And so I had to have somebody come with me and they would carry the box for me. That's rough, <laughs> like, man. So... But I mean, one of the things that I really love, I mean, it's funny because now in Silicon Valley, right, they talk about minimum viable product, like it's something they invented. And I'm like, yeah, it's called finding a way. It's called making shit happen. <laughs> like, And I, it, it just is funny because a lot of times when I'm training people to be managers now, I pull just all the stuff we learned selling books, right? Like you just tennis ball people, you put the problem back in their court, you ask them what they're going to do. Some of it is just... I just, it's really extraordinary training when you think about it. And, you know, yeah. we, we, we earned all the um, benefits all through life. Like some of the units you collect when you're on the book field, but most of the units you sell on the book field, you collect later on in life. Much, much later. I'm collecting them now. I'm collecting them yeah. now <clears throat> and yeah. it's working for me. All right. Yeah. So all right, this is, I feel like this is a good time to transition into what you're up to now. Like kind of how you exited Southwestern and oh, filling sure. us in into but before we do that i'm going to mention a yeah. couple of our other uh partners um are you throwing a party anytime soon i am i love parties i'm always throwing parties and i can never find good music do you have anything to help me <laughs> how did you know how many episodes have you watched holy shit i listen to so many other podcasts you said listen to some of the podcasts so i listen to some of the i'm coachable, You're coachable. I'm, a, I'm a book chick man come on wow well, listen, if you know somebody who needs to get into real estate, you already know how to get into in touch with to the 99% drama free Pat Roach and Southwest Real Estate. But if you're throwing a party, uh, dude, I, on a serious note, these guys did my wedding. Yeah. And it was legit. It was legit. Yeah. These guys are legit. Yeah. So, yeah, if you have, if you were somebody right. listening, it's throwing up an event. Martine and Lucas is their name. Uh, Martine is actually currently going, they're actually both going back for uh, their fourth and fifth summers i want to make sure that that's correct but they martin just sold like ten thousand units last summer so it's legit she yeah, yeah this is they're 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 like the legit homeboys you know talking about when you make that connection with 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 people um and you i'm like, a white girl them. from south dakota no i don't know what, what you mean by legit homeboys like that's not in my repertoire of life experience oh, let me let me let me let me let me let me learn you alicia let me learn you <laughs> So, so what that means yes, is yes, Captain Nebraska. Please learn me about the hey, homies. Hey, I got the Colombian in me. I got that homie. I, yeah. I was born in South Bogota. That's the dangerous part of Bogota called Bogota. Hang on, uh, hang on. Is there a part of Bogota that's not the set, the unsafe part of Bogota? Like no, I thought that was sort no. of a it's all you know, I'm geographic. The, yeah, I'm from the dangerous part of Colombia called Colombia, called South America. Um, <laughs> So that I can say be home funny. Boys. It's wrong to it laugh is. at that, but it's, it's okay. really good. You can laugh. I'm really funny and I'm from South America. So it all you it all are makes, really it all funny. Out. Homie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's this is a good show. I love this. I love what I do. But you yeah, know, but the, on, on the what I mean by that is they're book people. And because yeah. they're book people, there's something about them they can trust. So uh anybody you mean they have social event, skills. They'll actually show up to your wedding as opposed to call time. you three weeks and say somebody else paid us more money, so we're not coming. Yes, to all of that. And, and if the equipment breaks down, they'll sort it out for you so you don't have to be like running around your wedding or your parents' anniversary trying to find 
somebody's like Bluetooth speaker to hook up, like they'll handle it because they know how to solve problems. That sounds like a brilliant idea. Yes. I'm going to just clip this and play this every episode from now on. But yes, exactly that. Yeah. Whenever people tell the, the joke I usually make around book people, especially if they're young, right? And I'm coming in to talk to people still going to the field, they'll be like, oh my God, you're amazing. How'd you do that? And I'm like, five summers. Five yeah. summers. Yeah. So, so that's, that's exactly that. right. It's all you that's need. Exactly right. summers. And then also, also, here's here's actually this is one of my favorite people to talk about recently this is one of our newest jockeys jockeys are our sponsors mm -hmm. this is one of our newest jockeys but uh greta huerta by the way if you haven't listened to this episode i would recommend going go going back to listen to this episode uh with greta cardinal senior benefits is uh quentin roberts and pedro vega and greta uh are the ones that are working here but greta is the one that's uh been our friend for a while since she was on the show and ah i got I, I got a little soft spot for her as a Latino. Aww. She's like a Latina girl. She's Latina. Wait, badass. her name's Greta? Yeah, Greta Huerta. Huerta. Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't think Greta was a Latina name, but I get it now. I'm with you. Yeah, Huerta is the name. But she, um, you know, you ever meet those people when you're selling books that you're like, God, you are just such a freaking genuine human being that is just like, if we, we should just put a light on you and every like, we should just ask you for you're advice like, on how to deal with the like, Ukraine situation. Like, yeah, you're like, I'm not a good person. What is that like? Like, how does it work? Yes. Be kind yes. All the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's like that. So, um, basically Aww. she started working, she, she went on, she had a great career with Southwestern and then she started working with Cardinal. They do like senior benefit life insurance. And you know, what's the more than that is just, they just do like educational training on like financial advice. So the, the people that Ooh. they're working with are people who are like really in need of someone like that. And she's got yeah. like the heart for it more than though. She's a badass woman. She went into that company and broke the record two weeks in a row. And then all of a sudden oh, yeah. everybody started producing, like she's that kind of person that she just showed up yeah. and just kind of like pulled everyone with she was like okay ugh, greta's yeah. here let's do yeah. this yes yes yeah. exactly like that she's such a cool oh, person so you know yeah. what i bet if you worked with greta you would probably also get good looking like if you worked with greta and you bought a house from pat roach you might blow your own mind you might not even recognize yourself in the mirror you might get no. 10 pounds lighter and 20 pounds sexier like that mm -hmm. And you could probably throw a party and have Martina and Lucas DJ and everybody would come celebrate with you. You would want to sell a party because all of a sudden, like if you could just hang out with Greta and Pat, I feel like you'd be very successful. Like whatever you're doing now, that's probably like at least yeah. an 1100 unit bump in your capacity to be awesome. Automatically. Automatically. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, your parties have probably been lame. You should probably be inviting Greta and Pat just to like just to be there your parties yeah oh she's a badass she's a badass so I yeah like anyway they're, that's awesome they're, man greta greta is looking for people so if the if the real estate person doesn't work out or yeah. otherwise if you have another friend that's oh, like hey how do i change people oh yeah Ooh. she needs more people yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, that is a yeah. human being that i would follow into battle so if you're yeah. into that kind well, of stuff for sure and to your point like part of what i would say is i think when people get done selling books right so i've been out a while um there's there's a couple really specific mistakes that I see people make over and over again, right? One of them is they don't think about what kind of sales cycle actually works for them. Like Southwestern is a very short sales cycle when you're selling yes. books. So if you love selling books, but you hated recruiting, recruiting is a longer selling cycle. And if you're going to go into certain industries where you have a, like a year long selling cycle, that's going to kill you. 
right? So one thing is you don't think about your selling cycle. So you end up in the wrong kind of sales job if that's the path that you choose to go down. The other thing is you don't, you don't honestly hire yourself a coach. So little shout out to Will Metcher, even though I'm going to thrash him, we're going to get in a cage match and I'm just going to pound him. Right. I would but, believe that. I'd put money on dude, you. Dude, dude, I'm small, but I'm mean and I fight dirty. Okay. So just, that's, that's the parameters, right? But um, they don't get a coach, right? So they're not learning new things. They don't, you know, I've seen some people, they did great when they had accountability and then they left Southwestern, they didn't have it. They didn't have a cheerleader to cheer them on and they tank. And then the third thing is they don't put themselves with really good humans. So like if you're working with somebody like a Greta who comes in and not because she's necessarily trying to make something happen around her, but because of her own work ethic and her willingness to contribute and just do the work herself, you're not going to be able to be around somebody like her and not level up. Like she sounds like Absolutely. one of those people that if you're she on her you. team, yeah, you're, you're, that's going to be the best version of you that comes up. So I always yeah. talk to people and go, think about those three things, right? And if you don't know what you want to do, think about who you want to become and go be around people who are going to nurture you and teach you things. And you're going to become a better person by being around them. So Greta, you, you we She's should go badass. get lunch when you're in, if you're in Denver, you call me, I'm going to take us out for drinks because I want some of the Greta magic too. I, I'm, yeah, I'm smart. I surrounded so cool. myself with great people. <laughs> she is she's so cool i love greta yeah. she's she's a badass so and she's got you so yeah that's 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 i love, I I love you know that. what the, the crazy thing about this is when we started like um doing this thing and it, we, yeah. we checked we started to check into like hey how are we doing like how many people are we and we started getting yeah. offers from companies like hey we want to sponsor you and we're like no 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 we're gonna keep it into the in the house right. in the, we're in gonna the have family it be pure we're gonna have it be pure and now I get to work with these people and it's so Aww. fun to cheer them on and to like promote them. It, it's, they believe in what we're doing, which is important, you know, but yeah. we, I believe in what they're doing. It's just such a cool, like all of them, every single one of you, you meet them. You're like, wow, I, I just want to look forward to meet with you. <laughs> like, I, I just want to see you once a week and talk about you because yeah. you're so awesome. That's pretty legit. Well, and I'm, I feel lucky. I feel lucky. Aww. Well, when I was listening to the other podcasts, one of the things that really comes through, which is a unique thing that you have, is like I was listening and and honestly, I kind of start out everything like I'm sort of a grumpy old man who just wants all the kids to get off my lawn, right? Like that's sort of my set point in the morning and then I work my way. Like, I like people and when I'm excited and happy, I'm excited and happy, but a lot of times I'm like grumpy old guy first thing and I was like, Oh God, what must it be like to hear war stories like on a pod? They've done a hundred and some episodes. Like that's a lot of war. And I mean, you know, I've sat around the table with book people and we've all told stories. So I've heard a lot of stories and told a lot of my own boring stories. Right. But part of what I fell in love with is you just genuinely actually want to know, like you're genuinely curious and you have like this enthusiasm for what people are up to. And that's one of the things um, I was talking to an old, old, old book, man. And we were talking about how there are a lot of things from our Southwestern past that don't actually translate, right? Like, so we, we sell books and we're like, oh, that was amazing. Be positive, like do all the stuff. And then you get into whatever company you get in or you build your company and you're like, wait, some of this isn't the same because you don't necessarily know how to take it. Like there's principles and then there's practices, right? And what we do is we copy the practices 
And a lot of the practices you can't copy, right? We don't think about the principle underneath it. Like Southwestern, you can do B positive because if you really think about it, there's 14 layers of things designed to remove the crappy stuff that you're not excited about, right? Like designed to purge that negative emotion. Instead, we take that practice and we're like, don't puke on the people around you, be positive. And we don't create the other practices to get rid of the negative. And now you just have a lot of people gritting their teeth like, yes, I'm happy. This is great, I think. Yes, 100%. (laughs) I've talked about this on the show before. Oh, you're on it. You're on it. See, we're, we're like right there. You and me, right there. Yeah. I basically, like when I was training... And I remember this is even back when I trained my brother. I was like, listen, good self-talk is not everything's great. I'm awesome. Yeah. That's that's I mean, that's basic. Ooh, that's good. Good good self-talk is is ownership, right? Yes. Like so I gave this. Ooh. I think I, I talked about this. I talked about this. Andres, like, I'm stealing that. That's really good. Well, thank you. You know, but like I would train them and I'd be like, listen, it's people when it rains, for example, people be like, yeah. it's liquid sunshine. Oh my God, it's so great. No, it's not. It fucking sucks. It sucks to sell in the rain. You're selling books right. and you're showing books and then paper and that's in the rain. terrible. So the better thing to do is be like, hey, you know what? This fucking sucks. It really does. It sucks to sell in the rain, but I am a man of my word or a woman of Ooh. my word, right? And I said I was going to go do this regardless of the weather, regardless of how hard it was, regardless of how bad it got. And because of that, I'm going to look back on this day and say, hey, at least I did what I said I was going to do. And that integrity is going to be intact. And because I'm a man of integrity, I'm going to go kick ass today. How much more powerful is that to take ownership of your situation? You know what I mean? It's not it's not glossing over stuff. Right. It's not pretending. I used to do when I was in North Carolina, my first summer, I used to say hot summer days in North Carolina make for cool nights in Mexico. Like, here's what we're going to get out of this, right? Or I would say, this was my favorite one. I go, you know what? There's only two times when I sell a lot of books. One of them is when it's raining and one of them is when it's not. That's right. right. Yes. Like, one of them is when it's light outside and one of them is when it's dark. And another one is that weird in-between time when it's kind of light and it's kind of also dark. There's only two times I sell a lot of books. Right. Let's go sell a lot of books, yeah. I only sell a lot of books when I'm selling a lot of books or when I'm not selling a lot of books. That's the only two, right? Like, cause That's your right. brain doesn't actually understand the negative. Like I read this uh, sports psychology thing about a free, a guy, a basketball player. He was talking about what he says to himself when he's free throw shooting. And he's like, well, when I'm making a lot of shots, I tell myself I got this cause I'm making a lot of shots. And the guy goes, well, what do you tell yourself when you're not making a lot of shots? He goes, I haven't been making a lot of shots. So I'm for sure going to make my next shot. <laughs> yeah. I'm due. Yeah. You can just That's lie. Right. It. When it's yeah, raining, but it's true. And when it's not, yeah. But oh it's my true. god, it works so great. I love that though. Good self-talk is ownership. That's really see. That's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that you know. I, I kind of feel like one of my friends was asking me about this podcast, and I was like, every, and he's like, oh, like you can give them some of your coaching, and I was like, no, this is everybody on this call is basically a, better than ninety nine percent of the professional coaches <laughs> that I've ever met, right? Because they've actually coached someone in a difficult moment, right? Like, it's great if we're in a certification program and it's very polite and like, oh, Andres, here's what I, no, like, how do you get my head turned around when I've just been dumped and it's the middle of the summer and I had my worst week ever and also I got dumped, right? Like, that's the moment when I feel like you really learn something or how do you take somebody who's really kicking butt and have them level up the next week? 
and I, I don't, I, I have some skepticism again, grumpy old man, right. But about coaching programs, but good self-talk is ownership. I love that. It'd be so fun if we could just gather like the most sophisticated little nuggets, right? Like we could just kind of throw them all in a bucket and sift through them and find the really, really juicy stuff like that. I feel like that would be so great because. Oh, don't worry. There's going to be video shorts coming. There's video shorts coming soon on our YouTube where you can just catch like the like 15 minutes of a certain segment of something we talked about. And then. uh, Oh, I love that. Oh, we need to make like cards, you know, like little, you know, pull your. So my, this is kind of random. Um, Jeff Holly was my sales manager and Jeff was a really, he, I, I owe a lot to that man, right? He was this incredible human being and he was a real goofy guy. Like he was kind of, he used to tell us once I became a manager, he would kind of let you behind the curtain. And he's like, listen, this is what he would tell all the guys that we worked with. He's like, you want to wait if you're kind of not the hottest guy and you don't have like all the muscles and the, you know, sad welfare. He's like, you want to wait until you have money to get married because you will get a much hotter wife. <laughs> you will get a much hotter, cooler. And he did. And his wife, he assesses life. He assesses yeah. life. But like our first summer, he gave us this whole sheet and I have it buried somewhere, but it was like all these weird sayings that he wanted you to work into your day. So like at some point during the day, you had to be in a demo and say very things that now we would not have people say because they're very incorrect. But like, how you doing? Well, I'm working harder than a one-legged man in a butt kicking contest. (laughs) (laughs) Gold, gold gold that's right. a sound bite that's a sound bite oh, we're gonna dude. have that in a promo somewhere <laughs> that's how hard you want to work baby game on yeah it'd be fun that's though epic. if you guys had like you know southwestern on demand right you just pull out one of the cards and it's all those little those little treasured nuggets from our days on the field you know it, it it's it's funny how much similarity like you sold from 95 yeah. to 2000 right but i mean yeah. i sold 2012 to 16 and like the things that translate to just transcend yeah. the i mean because listen when you were when you were selling yeah, yeah. and this is not to age you this is not but like listen like, i still look good it's not a big deal yeah by the way age what is, you, just is, water? What is it is it is it, is no, it botox what is like but water what are you of doing of course it's botox what do you okay, like same. everybody gets botox rogaine is that what i need <laughs> that's it <laughs> or money according Falsely. to some philosophies like i don't know i, I think well then in that case if you know people who want to sponsor us <laughs> we're gonna talk my, about that remember i said oh we yeah yeah that's about, right that's right I, I listen i'm an idea machine my favorite thing is to like throw out a really simple idea and then go bam consulted let's go <laughs> that's right um but but i mean on that note like yeah. the things that were going on in 1995 right mm-hmm. so whatever it was things were going on in 2012 like we had a black president whoa right yeah. we had we, we were in the we were uh, coming out of a crisis right the things yeah. that were going on in 2016 none of that shit matters like it's yeah. all the same it's all the, i was talking to jim potts jim potts is on the show in like episode 60 yep. something and he, he sold in the 60s i mean he sold yeah. in 1968 right like he was like the person that ran his info was spencer hayes yeah. oh my god yeah right that's wild and so then yeah but then he'll talk about like oh yeah and then we went to sales school we took a cold shower i'm like holy shit <laughs> like that's we, we're all doing that we, we all did um, that like by the way, the sidebar about cold showers that is so interesting. They're one of the ways that you can hit the reset button on your parasympathetic nervous system. 
Mm, like, so your, your okay. HRV, you can actually reset it by taking a cold shower, which is one of the ways you help your body decompress from stress. So it turns out that cold shower that they took just to like speed up the showers or be psycho or whatever that was, right? That actually does a thing for your mental well-being. That's baller. That's amazing. Um, just That's saying. the coolest. That's the coolest. Yeah. You but know, the timelessness you know of it, I get what you're saying, right? Because it's, it's wild. I mean, well, you look at like uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People is still one of the best-selling books because- yeah, some of the problems that you're dealing with are just fundamental. And I feel like selling books is a place where you get to, yes, you get to build your skills with other people. But for me, especially, that was the first place I was ever introduced to the idea that you could and should watch how you talked to yourself, right? That Oof. you should be thoughtful about what you put into your brain and who you surround yourself with. I mean, that that's an extraordinary idea that I feel like now is more common, right? We have all these social media channels and these gurus and there's lots of people promoting that message, but that, that was not the message um, back in the day, right? That just wasn't a common thing. I yeah. had never encountered that before. You know, I think that's when my talking about like moments where like light bulb hit, that was actually where mm -hmm. it really blew up for me was when I decided to like, let go of the silliness. Um, mm -hmm. So my first week I did well, and I actually was yeah. like, I didn't know this, but I was one of the top rookies in the company. But my, this is a key moment was my manager. Yeah. One of the, one of the student managers didn't make a big deal of how much I sold. I think I've told this story before, but she was like doing my bar because I didn't yeah. know what the hell was. I got recruited like the last week of the spring. So I didn't right. know what the hell I was doing. You're and like, she okay. like, yeah, I mean, I hit the 30 demos or I think or something. And she was like, oh, okay. And then I told her how many units she's like, okay, didn't make a big deal about it. Oh, like, smart I mean, girl. Like, huge, huge for me. Like it really, ninja. Like, honestly, ninja. so much. Yeah. But then I kind of plateaued at that rate, which was good, but because it was still more than like most first years were selling. But what on a Monday, week four, I'll never forget this. I remember looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what if I just out loud talk to myself? Like, what if what would happen? And I was like, you know what? I'm a good, I'm a good person. I'm going to do great today. Yep. And uh, I just decided to like, let go of like whatever pride or ego or embarrassment yeah. I think, that it was, that it was of like talking to myself out loud and by myself in the car yeah. and yep. holy shit that week I went to 450, 565 and I started hitting PC oh and all God. this other stuff and I get jumped because yeah. it was so cool to like, and then I read the line, I think it was a book I was reading and it was like, if the person that lives inside your head was sitting next to you talking yeah. and saying the things that you're saying to yourself, would you hug them or would you punch them? <laughs> and it blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. Weird. Have you read the untethered soul yet, by the way? No, but that's on my list. Uh, dude. Uh, or the, move on it Amazon. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And the I'm, surrender I'm about to start experiment. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to, I do it right now. I, I'm, I, yeah. I'm, I'm about to start reading with my buddy. I must start reading uh, thinking fast and slow. Oh, uh, I have that book. I should read that too. Yeah, we could do a Ponytails podcast book club. That'd oh be so fun. Oh my god! Yeah. What, um, what is it? What, what's the book called? You said. Um, Untethered Soul. The Untethered Soul. So okay. a what's, book guy what's named. It about? So there, he wrote two books. One is The Untethered Soul, and one's The Surrender Experiment. So The Untethered Soul is essentially a book about the voice in your head and your relationship to it. Michael Singer. Yeah, it'll melt your brain. But Order I read now. his yeah, I read his second one first. It's called The Surrender Experiment. These are two books, by the way, out of the three that I would recommend for all book people. 
the surrender experiment, this guy was a hippie in the woods in Florida in like the 70s. And one day he has this big epiphany that he has a voice in his head that tells him what he should and shouldn't do and has an opinion about everything all day long, right? And sometimes they're contradictory. And so all day he's like running around based on what the voice says. And his epiphany is that life has been lifing along for a few billion years. But every day, based on this voice in my head that isn't even actually me, I go to war with life. And so he makes a decision that he's going to shut up the voice, like he's just going to ignore the voice and start surrendering to what he thinks life wants from him. And he does this experiment. He ends up running a billion dollar company from the woods in Florida. It is a mind boggling story. I need to read this. Oh my God, it's yeah. ridiculous. So a book guy named Shane Blick and um, Alex Hardy worked Shane. together up in Boulder. Yeah, yeah. oh, I d- yeah. oh Shane. Shane. Shane's Rock awesome. Love Shane's him. a stud. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has me up. He's actually been and done some um, meditations with Michael Singer, but he and Alex Har, like I can't remember which one gave me which book, but they recommended those. And they, um, those two have books- Michael on the show. Oh my God. Michael Singer? You sold books, you said, right? You, you said no, you sold books? No, 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 no. Oh, no, Shane- okay. Shane sold books. You could have Shane yeah. on the show. I sold with um, Shane. I, yeah, yeah, I would <laughs> oh, need to have nice. Shane on the show. Yeah, yeah. But and then the third book that I would just give people for book people because remember when we all read Og Mandino, right? And if you really read Og, it become. I mean, it just like, you know, I, I will greet this day with love in my heart. Like, there's just some stuff I can still quote most of the third scroll if I get into a good rhythm, right? In the Orient, yeah. Young Bull. It's ridiculous. Young Bulls so, were tested in the yeah arena. Uh, in the play, arena. Yeah. <laughs> In a certain manner, each is yes. left the arena and allowed to attack a pick. I mean, the whole damn thing. Oh yeah, right? can't find my keys. That's a good type of brainwashing. Right? <laughs> well, to your point, though. So, I mean, in my professional life now, I've studied a lot of different kinds of human behavior and brain science, all this stuff. You can actually, you have neural pathways in your head that are very strong and they get reinforced, right? So let's say hypothetically that you had a crush on Ryan Junick in the 10th grade and your friends thought that he liked you. So they talked you into calling him and asking him out. And then he told you that not only did he not want to go out with you this Friday, basically he was never going to be available for that. And you were really horrified. Totally hypothetical example, right? But that might stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan was a handsome guy. What are you going to do? But um, he's delicious. All of your... Any time that you trigger that memory, you reinforce its existence in your brain, like kind of like a cow path for those of you from the Midwest, the neural pathway gets deeper. But if you stop sending energy down that pathway, then the neural pathway starts to fade and break up. So if you want your brain to be a friendlier place for your success, one of the things you can do is build neural pathways. And one of the ways you can do that is by reading a book or a section of a book over and over and over which is why reading Augmandino five zillion times is great because it creates a whole section of your brain dedicated to thinking that way. So my third book I always recommend for book people is one called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Have you read that one? No, but that's coming to me. I just, I literally just ordered the other book. What is it? What is it called? The Obstacle is the Way. Is the way. Are these in audiobooks? Yeah, but it's probably better to read them. Listen, listen. Everything's an audiobook. Don't worry about it. If you like audiobooks better, just listen to it on audio. It's fine. By the way, my book is coming as an audiobook as a separate podcast. Oh my god. Just so you know. That's going to yeah. I want to I can't wait for that cuz you have a really interesting life story. Like that's going to be a whole thing and I think <laughs> 
Well, you do. I mean, you have kind of a crazy life story. But anyway, but this book, he's talking about Greek stoicism, which instead of being fancy, let's just say that's the idea that whatever's in the way is actually your path to achieving what you want. So it's very much a control the controllables. Here's your mental stuff. So a few years ago, I got really sick. I got really broke. I worked for myself. Um, it was a very, very ugly low point in my life. I read mm. the chapter. He has a chapter called... Um, follow the process, not the prize. I read that chapter. It's like five little pages, right? It takes about four and a half minutes, twice a day, five days a week for seven straight months. Because my brain was not saying nice things to me. And I needed every day to sort of recalibrate and put my focus in a place that was really useful. So I think that thing about reading books, right? And reading books to retrain your brain is so, I mean, that is such an elegant solution to a whole myriad of really interesting problems that I feel like we don't always take advantage of. Oh, this it's is sexy, so right? Fun. It's so sexy. So good. good this is so good. With the ideas. Where's Lee's bell? I need Lee's bell. Yeah. <laughs> I said we should probably incorporate that into the show. Spirit. Someone says something good. Oh, you get the bell. We should do that. I think we should incorporate that. But thank you, Lee, for or that. like a whistle. God bless you, Lee. You know, just celebrate like everything, ding, baby. Ding, ding, yeah, you like should a, just make like, it and be like, you should just be like, ding, ding, ding. Just yell it as loud as you can. Ding, 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 ding. I always just snap. I snap. Yeah, snaps snap. are good too. Shit. Snaps All right. Well, those books too. are on the way. I literally just ordered yeah. both of them, and I'm about to start. Yeah. Uh, my buddy, uh, we're reading Thinking Fast and Slow, and that's supposed yeah. to be a book about like the different like ways of like processing yeah, yeah, decisions. Yeah. Have you read that before? I haven't. It's on my shelf. Um, it it it's been. If it shows up a couple more times, I'll have to. I'm actually right now, I'm reading, Stephen King wrote a book on writing that is supposed to be one yes. of the all-time classics. So like in January, I read a bunch of the, um, you know, like David Ogilvy and a bunch of the marketing and sales books, the the like big classics in that Don't area. And, oh, I read that a long time ago. His book is really good. I'm going to have to uh, if, see. If gosh, you're, I have so see, many books if you're a book person and you're used to selling the, the, the other thing I think makes a big difference for people is to realize that selling products is very different than selling services. One like, right. And in, sometimes I laugh cause I'm like, you guys, all the stuff in the marketplace, most of it about sales is recycled crap from insurance salesmen in the 1800s. 100%. It's literally, you know, it's literally all of that stuff. And if you want to sell professional services, that's a whole different framework. It's but it's buyer controlled, not seller controlled. 100%. It's hundred. It's about giving education and options and recommendations. Yeah, I, I I learned some stuff uh, about selling services inside having a boutique consulting I, firm that is useful. I think the. <laughs> hang on, uh, hang on. You're I feel so like smart. You, I feel like you're about to preach. I feel like I feel like this is the moment we we silence the choir because this <laughs> no. is a big one. Lay it on. <laughs> I'm not that smart. You're you're the one that's laying down the right, the wisdom. I don't know. To me, to me, I don't know. Like when people ask me, like, why was it so different? Like, or like I, to describe yeah. what what I learned about it, 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 the the key to the to the southwestern cycle of sales is the buying atmosphere. To me, yeah. Like it's the moment when you give yeah. up give up the power to the client and you say, listen. Yeah. My goal, my goal is not to get you to buy something. My my wife 
uh, when we first started dating, she was like, oh, you must be super persuasive. I'm like, no, actually, no, I suck at being persuasive. You know what I'm good at is getting told no really fast or yes, really fast. And that's the difference. Most people think that salespeople and really most salespeople are super like mm -hmm. good ones that don't work with Southwestern, in my opinion, are like really persuasive. They, they, yeah. But in, in a way that implies that you're getting people to do something that they don't necessarily want to do, which isn't always necessarily yeah. a bad thing, but it can be. It can be dangerous. For me, it's like this. Dude, there are a million people. There's actually 330 million people in the United States. Okay. That means statistically speaking, even if you suck really, really, really bad, really, really <laughs> bad, but you just go talk to as many of them as possible, you're going right. to succeed. And along the way, you might learn some things that make you really good and make you a master at your craft. But besides that, before we even get to the fact that you get better, just the idea of like, let's just say you suck the same every single time and you just right. talk to a hundred thousand people. And your closing percentage is 1%, right? 100,000 right. people, 1%, you sold to 1,000 people. Right. My closing percentage is 90%, but I talked to 500 people, right? Yeah. That's 450 people. You still beat me. Why? Because you saw more people, right? right. And so the key is in the buying atmosphere because you can genuinely, and the key word is like yeah. underline, highlight, genuinely. capitalize, right? is genuinely tell someone, hey, yep. listen, if you do not want this, you need to tell me as soon as you know. Yeah. Because that's going to save you time. It's going to save me time. And honestly, I need that because then once I understand yeah. that it's a numbers game, then the buying atmosphere is the most important part because that's actually the huge part of my sales cycle that helps me yeah. save time, which means yeah. I can see more people with the same amount of time. Yeah. So the real key is like, hey, as soon as you know, please, right. for everything that's good and the love of God, tell me no. <laughs> I, and in I the will name just, of all and sacred and yes. chicken noodle soup and pot pies. I don't flag. even care. <laughs> Let me just move on. Let me just move on to the next one. And oh then I God. promise you, I'll leave you in a good mood. I'll tell you a joke, right? Yeah. What do you call a bear okay. with no teeth? A gummy bear. Bye. And then you just move on. Right? Like that's how you do it. Okay. That's it. In professional services, here's the ninja move that I use that I learned, which nobody else in my industry does, or at least in my head, nobody else does. Right. Um, so I sell, my stuff is large, big, big, big packages, right? There's lots of zeros involved and it's a big commitment because we're going to work together for a whole year, right? So it's, I think of selling products as like getting somebody to go on a date with you. You just be whoever you got to be to get them yeah. one dinner. That's yeah. it, right? You're like a ransom if, note cut off different letters. You're <laughs> just trying to figure out like who you are. Yeah. Right. If you're selling professional services and it's going to be an extended contract, I need it to actually be a fit. It's like a marriage. So if I snow yeah. you and I sell you and I persuade you, that's bad for both of us, right? So yes. I do a thing in my buying atmosphere now where I just look at people and I go, okay, so, and, and I learned a lot about how to create the right kind of packages and how that process should work. There's things you can actually learn, but um, I just say to people, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to create multiple options for you. I'm going to write up a nice proposal. So they're in that range that we talked about. I'll give you some options that are a little less and a little more. And then we'll talk about it on the phone. I'll answer any questions that you have. And then you should think about it. You should like take some time. You should talk to your team. You should give it a few days. Like I'm not going anywhere. You should really trust yourself. And if you look at your team and you can go, okay, if we do these things, it makes sense we're gonna get this ROI that she's talking about then you're going to know that it's a good thing and we should move forward. And if you don't, you shouldn't. 
but you should trust yourself. It's actually, now that I think about it, it's the advanced version of the bathroom clothes. You remember that one? Yeah, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you take hey, your time. Real quick, I'm going to just run to the bathroom. You guys talk it over. Let me know what you think when I get back, okay? <laughs> I didn't realize. And you come back years, and they tell you yes or no. <laughs> right. No, they always say yes after the bathroom. Yeah, they always say they, yes. What kind of bathroom clothes are you doing? But I just realized, yeah, all these years later, what I'm actually <laughs> doing is not this fancy thing I invented. I'm still just doing the bathroom clothes. So that feels 100%. like a win. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with the podcast. I mean, we're, yeah. I, I told you we're talking to Quentin Roberts and he's the guy that's pretty much running all of uh, where Greta works and he liked what we were doing. And yeah, I, I literally was like, listen, and I told this to Pat, I've told this to Martine, I've told this to, and like yeah, yeah. all the, all of our sponsors, like, listen, I don't want you to put money into this because I can't guarantee that you're going to get recruits. I can't guarantee that you're going to get any right. of that stuff, but I can tell you, we're going to talk really well about you and people are going to right. like hear it over and over. And then it's yeah. going to be a good branding move. But here's the thing, like more besides all that shit, that doesn't matter. You got to believe in what we're doing. Like yeah. you gotta like what we're doing because there's gonna be there's gonna be shows that we have that are gonna be more saucy. Some of them are gonna be more professional. Yep. Some of them are gonna be outrageous. Some of them are gonna. You be gotta funny. be all the way on board. And if you don't like, I I need you to go listen to our show. Go listen yeah. to our episodes. Not for the ads. Go listen to what we have, and I'll and I'll send them like different like vibes of different episodes. Be like, yeah. you gotta believe in what we're doing, and I believe in what you're doing. So that that part checks out because otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you. But like, right. if you don't believe in us. It, we yeah. shouldn't even like because in four months from now you're going to be unhappy yeah. about yeah. What, somebody's going to come on the show you're going to be upset right and it's not going to work for both of us and then it's just a headache and then you and then we end up breaking up in business which is like worse than an actual yeah. breakup because then it's like bad taste in your mouth forever because it involved money so it feels more like mm -hmm. a divorce like avoid that <laughs> don't do that you're like this is I, how i negative sell this yeah. And it's not even, yeah, but I guess it is a negative sell, but at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, I know that all the people that are sponsors with us, they love what we're yeah. doing yeah. and I love what I'm doing. So that's the thing we have in common, you know, and it, well, it works so well. And to your point, right. It's, it is fun to do business with people who sold books. Like it's fun to be around people who get it. It's fun oh, yeah. to talk to people who have that common experience because it, it's such a, it is, I mean, it's it's not the same as being a soldier, right? Like I, I know guys who are Navy SEALs, it's not the same, right? But that kind of, it's such a unique experience that no matter how many stories you tell people that love you that weren't there, they're not gonna get it, right? And you can look at almost anybody and just say, you know, this was my, Lee had his dirt pile moment, right? Mine happened on a dock in North Carolina. like. Everybody knows what those moments are. Everybody gets it when you say that. And they get that in that moment, you made the choice that made a difference. And I think it's really hard to be a manager if you don't, at some level, give a damn about developing people, contributing back, right? Anybody that I know, and it is possible to stay too long at Southwestern, right? So I love Southwestern. I'm very grateful for what I was given. I think a lot of good things happen in the world. and. FYI team, you can make a difference in a lot of places, like lots of places. The one drawback, I had a friend point this out. He's like, Southwestern is the only kind of business where you don't get exposed to other businesses. Yes. Right? So you never find out how it's supposed to work in all these other places. And that's a big gap because yes. once you get a feel for it, you're like, oh, all this makes sense. You know what I mean? And I think- yep. 
even sales managers who are, I mean, good grief, my manager, Jeff Hahn, my senior year, I was getting ready to graduate and then my best friend and I were going to go to Europe and do some backpacking, right? Like that's the dreams, you know, make your money in the summer and then go to Europe that fall. And he, Han was dead set on me splitting it up. He's like, nope, you're like, do this and then field manage, recruit full time in the spring and just do that for two years and graduate in two years instead of at the end of this year. And so he walks me into Fred Prevost's office, who was one of the old, 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 old OGs. And uh, Prevost sits me down and, you know, Jeff sends me in there because he wants Prevost to talk me into it. And Prevost goes, so. And I go, yeah, I want to sell books. And then Megan and I are going to Europe. And he goes, cool, here's what you should visit. And we talk for like an hour. And then I walk out and Han's sitting out in front of his office, like, like a puppy, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I go, Fred and I both think that I should graduate at the end of this year. And Jeff was so close. That's like, brutal. He, he meant well, <laughs> right? But what he thought was the best thing for me was really the best thing for him. And maybe it would have also been awesome for me, but it wasn't, wasn't my path, right? It wasn't yeah. a good fit. And I think you, you got to know, you got to know when to stay and you got to know when to go. And if you're staying because you're scared to try something else, that's not a good reason. And that's, that's going to yes. lead to some craptastic summers. Like get your head straight. If you're doing it for good reasons or bad, go all the way, go full tilt boogie. You don't want to halfway on the book field is a bad way to do the book field. The book field does not enjoy that. And she will punish you. <laughs> Summer four, three and four for me. And 100% from experience, I can tell you, mm -hmm. you are on the money. My lady, yeah. you are Alicia. Yeah. You are, or, or hook as you are so affectionately called yeah. you're on the money. So, okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. We're, this is yeah, supposed yeah. to be the section where we talk about what you're doing now. So what happened so on the topic? You left. What, you, sounds like you left. And then yeah. walk me through. So 2000 to 2022 isn't that long. Sure. Isn't that long. Yeah. But walk not. me through what happened and what are you up to now? I'm so, yeah. I'm so curious. Oh, my job now is so cool. So um, let's see. So I quit selling books and I had some family stuff. Like I have some trauma and crazy in my background that just kind of bubbled up to the surface. And so God bless Jeff Holly. He sat me down and he was like, you're done. I was supposed to field manage one more year at Mizzou. That's what I did my last year selling books. And he's like, you're done. You need to go tell me you got, you got three days. Tell me where, or he's one week. Tell me where you're going to live and which therapist you're going to see. And thank God he was willing to say something <laughs> like that. I mean, it was bad. I, I got some serious stuff in my past. And so it was really a blessing that he said that, but I was, you know, kind of unmoored at that point. Cause I had, my plan was to go back to Mizzou and recruit and it's ego and all this stuff. Right. So I waited tables. I ended up getting recruited by a corporate company. They were hilarious. I sat down with this HR director and she said, okay, so you get this many days off a year. And I said, yeah, but I'm in sales. So like, as long as I hit my numbers, nobody really cares what I do. Right. And she goes, you get this many days off a year. And I was like, Ooh, I'm not selling books anymore. This might not have been the best move. And then my sales manager, Jerry, old Johnson and Johnson guy, literally at the end of a meeting goes, you know what ends the meeting with this. This is the thing he sends everybody home on. You don't want to be the low hanging fruit at the end of the month. And God bless me. I almost raised my cute little 22 year old hand and was like, um, Jerry, I don't know if you know this, but you're supposed to end sales meetings on a high note. Like you want to build people up. You want to send them out. <laughs> Thank yeah, God I didn't this say is what that. I'm used to. 
<laughs> oh my God. It was bad. So eventually I got fired. Like they changed, they promised me one thing. They changed all the comp. They moved my products, like all the things people do that aren't great in a company that's not doing well. And um, so I bounced around a little bit. I actually did a short stint with Great American. Mike Weber was doing um, work with high, lo yeah. a lot of people saw Mike, who's a really good human being, but Mike wanted somebody who would be like another Mike, which is go put your head down, do a ton of work, sell $200,000 worth of programs, and then you can have a seat at the table. And I would have only sold $200,000 worth of programs because I had a seat at the table. Like I still had a decent amount of ego. And so that, so I also got fired from Southwestern. Technically I'm in that happy crew. And, um, you know, it took a little while, but eventually I looked around and I, I was down working with Virgie Sanford in Texas. And I saw a woman named Linda Schwader Smith, who's an old, old, old book chick, old, old school, not old person, but she was doing a goal setting workshop at that spring production meeting. And I heard that she charged five grand for it. And so again, if you're not noticing ego is a consistent theme here in my story. Um, I watched her do that. And I thought, if she can get five, I can get 10. I was like, I oh should boy. be a consultant. I relate. Oh, you, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, Are we going to go to Claire's that, and get matching BFF bracelets? Like that damn ego. Oh, Ooh, oh yeah. it's a thing, right? And so, you know, it took me a little while. I did a couple things and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I had no money. I had no contacts. I'd never been to a networking meeting. I didn't know anything about sales except direct sales. I, I didn't know how to put together a contract and I had no savings or experience of any kind. And I was like, okay, I'll be a consultant. Woohoo. And um, it went really badly for a while, right? Like I was good. I've, I'm a good coach. I've always been adept at my job, but building your own business, it's not like it was in Southwestern, right? We kind of got suckered because they say you run your own business and technically that's true, but really you're running your own franchise and that's a different yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, it took me yes. and people were like, oh, you should do sales stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to do sales. Stuff. I don't want to do that. Took me about, I started my company in 2004 and I really struggled for a while. And it wasn't until 2013, I would say that I really found my niche. I was working with um, an executive team at a manufacturing company. And while I was there, they had gotten really big kind of overnight. Right. And for some reason, everything they, all the problems they had sounded familiar. They thought they needed help with communication among that executive team. And the longer I was there, I was like, it's not just that though. And then I recognized I had been through the same kind of curve actually when Virgie Sanford and her group got really big, really fast. There's, if you don't build systems and processes along the way, right? Some people here that are listening know what scale is. And you know how to scale a business, right? You've got to build systems and processes. If you don't know what scale is, and you just work really hard and things get really big, it is a mind melting experience because all of a sudden you have more money than you had before. You have all these people everywhere. You keep hiring more people to do the work, but for some reason, everything slows down and it's harder and harder to get good work out the door. And then you're driving yourself crazy because you, you don't understand why nobody will step up or more people won't step up. And you, you kind of miss the days when you're small, but you can't just go back to you when you're small because now you're big and now you got to pay big bills. So it's yes. this very crunchy time and some businesses just don't make it through that. So when I worked with that manufacturing company, um, part, I just, I recognized that pattern and I was like, oh, there must be a million books about this. And there's not really, there's books that talk about scale, but they don't really like, you know, a lot of us know Michael Gerber and the E-Myth, right? Which is great. Yeah. But um. 
Have you read Scaling Up? Yeah. I so there there are good books like yeah. that, but like Gerber is great if you're starting out, but if you've already got yes. 300 employees, it's too late. The, oh my yeah. god, it's way yes, too late. Yes, so, yes, 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 yes. So my specialty you. that I've built over the years is I specialize in working with the leadership, like the executive teams of fast growing companies who need to build that infrastructure on the fly. So they're already, the plane's in the air and we're already moving and now we got to rebuild the plane. And that's three big things that they have to learn. One of them is how to manage people because we promote people, right? We Most people who sold books and managed somebody got better management training than the average six-figure executive, 100%, 100%. So I teach them how you hold somebody accountable, right? How you have a confrontation conversation without destroying a relationship, how you celebrate with people, right? What it looks like to delegate effectively or track and manage work, all these critical management skills is one thing. And then the second thing is I help them build systems and processes and tools. Ooh, yes. And I teach them how that should work, right? So like data is one of the things that breaks down because when you're small, you just run around and talk to everybody and you're like, oh, how's it going? And that's fine when you're small. But when you've got, you know, you go from three people in a garage to 300 people in two different locations, you can't manage by touch that way anymore. So you lose track of the data. If you don't find a way or build a tool to gather it, like I worked with an engineering firm and they had usually about 70 open projects. And I said, okay, well, how do you find out how they're doing? And they're like, we go in the computer and we look up the project and we check the stuff. And I was like, so what they're doing is managing it at a hundred percent, which the only person who should be doing that is the person who actually is working on the project. So I'll teach them things like the 110 and 1% rule where the person working on it knows it at a hundred, they turn in a report that's like 10% to their manager, just enough to show me if there's a problem. And then that person turns in 1%, which is just enough to show the person above them that there's a problem. So mm. it's building that kind of stuff and teaching them those skills. And then the third thing is, your leadership team is where you either make or lose a shit ton of money, just to put it really bluntly. So yeah. if they don't know how to operate as a team, right? If you just have big mama, big daddy at the front of the room and we got to run every decision through that person, it all, now you have just expensive minions because they're just running around doing your bidding. So I work with teams and teach them how to do things like, you know, report on what's going on in their group how to disagree about things, how to prioritize, how to plan, how to hold each other accountable to executing the work, how to, um, you know, wars are, we think wars are won by shock and awe. They're won by logistics. They're won by who's smarter about their resources, right? So by the time I'm done with a team, we've worked together for a year, but they learn how to do all that stuff and they learn how to do it together. Because one of the things I've discovered is we tend to send people away, right? Or you read a book, but the three people you work with didn't read that book and they don't get it. So you come back from the seminar, from the book, and you're like, you're all hopped up and you can't get them to do the thing because they didn't have the same experience. If you take the whole team and you train them together, you shorten the learning curve, you speed up the results and you kick a lot more butt. Like it just, fi and we fix problems along the way. So it's super sexy wow. and the ROI is like disgusting. It's so big. That is so is that crazy? Fucking cool. That is That's so cool. That's my job. That's like, yeah. That is so cool. It's God. So, <laughs> uh, 
what do I say about this? There are so many things I want to say about this. First of all, like, I think the first thing I want to say about this is this is something that you, this is like books 2.0, right? Because like once you go sell books, you learn all these things. Mm -hmm. But then like one of the things that it was really very apparent to me almost immediately after I decided I'm not coming back to sell any more books. Yeah. Was there's a lot of things about running a business, quote unquote, that you do not get taught. Like what? Not even like what you're talking about. Let's just look at it like the legal side of things. You ask most book DSMs how to start an LLC and they're like, what's an LLC? And you're like, holy shit. Like, how do you not know that? Like, how do you, that's, if you run a business, you got to know that, but they don't ever teach that at sales school. Also, by the way, if you're registered as an LLC, you can still file as an S corp and you really, really should just FYI. That's what we're doing. (laughs) FYI. Legit. Yeah. yeah. Save you so much money. Accountants and lawyers are the two things that you can't spend too much money on because they will pay for themselves eventually. Oh my God. So, get a controller, get a CFO, even if it's a fractional one, way before you think you need it. It will save yep. you so much money. When I launched the LLC in November for the Ponytails podcast, the two things I spent the most money on one, yeah, yep. personally was yep. that. And so, as CFO, and then like, a, well, yep. he's not directly under us, but he, like, the guy handles this and he's like, you need to do an escort, especially if you're going to do sponsorships like this. And I was like, all right. It's yeah. <laughs> so like, I, you know more than I do. And then the Have lawyer. Have you trademarked ponytails yet? Yes. Nice. The tra- the, well, nice. so on uh, the trademark supposed to be coming back at the end of actually this month. It takes like oh, six good. months because of COVID, good. but we launched yeah. it in September. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. I'm on it. Like yeah. a grown up, yeah. like a big old grown that's up. Like a big ass, man, like a, like an adult. Right. So, but the point yeah. is, the point is like, that's the stuff you don't really learn in Southwestern. So yeah. like that. And then the other part of it is what everything that you just said, because what happens is people get into this, it, it, they leave Southwestern and they're super successful undoubtedly because they yeah. have these skills, but then all of a sudden they get too big for their own like management. And mm-hmm. so I read scaling up and there was yeah. so much stuff in there about like creating systems. Everything was about creating systems, 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 systems. I have the way that we run the business here is like mm-hmm. the, to keep it private. Like there's basically yeah. focused on systems, the, the whole yes. idea. And what I told my team is like, it, we should have it so well systemized, systematized that like if we were all sick with COVID for a month, yeah, so four other people could come in and just follow yep. the script and nothing would change. That's yep. the goal, right? Now we're short on that, right? Because but but that's the whole idea. Nobody yeah. taught me that except for the books that I read. And I was like, I'm glad that that's mm-hmm. a book I read. But the fact that you're doing that live is yeah. so valuable. Holy shit. That is so cool. That is so cool that you're doing that. Good well, for you. and if you Thank you, because I made it all up, right? That's badass. That's so cool. If if you liked scaling up, you might also like traction and that whole world, Mm. which is, it's very formulaic, right? So the interesting thing, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, Alicia has interesting ideas. Maybe I want to hire her. Here's how you know if you want to hire me or somebody else. Um, Traction is really great. It's very formulaic. So if you just want the formula and you don't care about like the thing, most of my clients or all of my clients, they have a thing in their business that makes them special. And it is a thing that they will fight for. Like my people don't want to quote, go corporate, not for any amount of money. They're not mm. opposed to building structures, but they are very, very opposed to structures getting in the way of them being who they wanna be and doing what they wanna do. Like it's a big deal for them. So when I work with people, we customize everything. Like we're not trying to run you through the same meat grinders so you look just like everybody else and you have like 
interaction, there's a thing called your rocks. And I'm like, this is what we got. Entrepreneurialism is one of the sexiest things on the planet. It's so badass. It's so much fun. And what you came up with as a thing to have people grapple with is here's my rock. Here's how I did with my rock. Like it's insane. So it's kind of like, for me, traction is like, um, you know, a used Honda minivan that kind of smells like Cheerio puke and it'll get you there, but it doesn't have the sex appeal. And when I work with companies, we build everything around your culture. So we don't squish what, what makes you special. We protect it and we build structures around it so that you can actually have it. And I think, I mean, for me, I mean, of course I'm biased, right? But I think that is such a big deal because you, a lot of us, we pour a lot of ourselves into our business. We have a thing we want it to do. We have a thing that it stands for. Like one of my happiest moments, I had a CEO that I work with and he's like, one of the best things I've learned from you, Alicia, is that you don't have to do it the way everybody else does it. Like there's a ton of different ways to achieve a result Mm -hmm. and you should find the way that really works for you. Like because I believe you should be able to win as you. One of the things that was hard for me in Southwestern, and I think this comes from that old, you know, insurance salesman mentality is like, okay, you, you find the person who was successful, you copy what they did, you just be them, right? Which is fine. And maybe when you're 19 and you're selling books door to door, that's great. But as you get older, it doesn't work that way. Different people have a success type, almost like a blood type. So if yours is the same as mine, and apparently it is, you and I will really vibe off each other and I can copy stuff that you do and that'll work for me. But if I'm trying to copy something that somebody else does, like there were people on the book field that never listened to the radio. They didn't sing, they didn't, like they were just very focused. That worked for them, but that wasn't a good fit for me because I needed to continually be lightening up. So if I just copied them, that doesn't work. And I think, all the work I've put into building what I built and, and why I think it matters, like that's a thing that is special. And the kind of people that I work with, they, they're up to something, right? Like it matters that their business goes on. They have a better way that they want to do it for their customers or with their employees. They're out to change something significant. It's so we protect that. And that's a big deal. So there's lots of different methodologies and, if you just want to read the book and go implement somebody else's system, great. But if you want to build around and build into your people, the ability to up-level and train. And I mean, it's, it's, it's like when you sold books and you watch a kid or student manager learn all this stuff, right. Or have these big epiphanies. You have the conversation, you know, changes their life, except now I do it with COOs and CEOs and, you know, but it's the same conversations just for the record. It's the same stuff because what people struggle with, I have a joke that I say to people, I'm like, there's only 12 basic ways that people suck. And once you figure out somebody's combo, it's just not that hard after that, right? <laughs> yeah. Done. Done. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, check yeah. this out. So if you were listening and then want to come and find you, this right here oh. is, so you go to maverickandcompany.com. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. So maverickandcompany.com. They can go find you, right? And then uh, you yeah. got some free resource, resources out here. Ooh, click on that kind link. Of take so a look yeah, here we go. We put a bunch of videos on there. There's articles, there's books. So however you like to learn, there's stuff for you. And it's all free and you don't have to give your email address because I hate that. And, uh, and if you're yeah. on LinkedIn, that's a really good place to follow me. We put up a lot of good content there. 
and a lot of freebies. And I will say this, if you're somebody who sold books and you're just like grappling with something, you are actually always welcome to just give me a call. I really believe in paying it forward. And everybody was really nice to me when I started my company. My friend Whitney in particular, whenever I needed something, she would say, sure, what do you need? And so whenever somebody calls me, I try to say the same thing. And then I imagine you'll say it to somebody else. So you, you, it's okay to call. I'm good at saying no. I learned that too. <laughs> you need that for sure. And then here is where people can reach you. Uh, 720-273-3286 or Alicia, A-L-E-C-I-A at maverickandcompany.com. Um, I put that into the banner if you're watching. Um, that way that people for the can record, find you. We came up with that URL before I realized that I'd have to say it 6 billion times and no one would be able to, like, it's the bit, and you can't change it later because now it's that. It is what it is at this point. Yeah, we, we're the Point Tales podcast, whether we like it or not. That's how it's going to stay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> we can't rebrand <laughs> at this point. It's too, it's too stuck. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. I think what you're doing is so cool. I think, I think it's Thank such a cool, you. important thing. And I, and, and I definitely have learned the value of it. Um, whether I'm through self-discovery or through just like other coaches and mentors similar to what you're doing, but, but not really like yeah. what, the way that you do, it sounds so unique. I've never really heard of it of uh, like, I've heard of people helping others manage and scale up, but the way that you're doing it sounds so unique. And I feel like that's um, if you're listening that this is, this sounds like you need to get a hold of Alicia, go find her, get, get, so get you, to it. You should probably call me. I should probably call you. Yeah, this is, it sounds like, it sounds like <laughs> we're going to have to have another conversation after this uh, about all sorts of different stuff. So that's good. That's good. Oh okay. All right. All right. We cool. Yeah. We cool. We cool. All right. Cool. Game so on. now Game on. that's what you're up to. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it sounds like it's time to jump into time, into the pony stories. I feel like we've been on the air for two twenty three, two hours and 23 minutes. Can you yeah. believe that? Doesn't my my like earphones it. are going to die. So we're going to have to wrap it up at some point. Yeah, so we probably head into that direction. So, uh, as we head into the ponytails, a couple more words from our uh, some of our partners. Do you know Julio? Did you ever meet Julio Hernandez? I don't know that I did, but I think he's awesome. Is he like Julio with the hair and he's awesome? That guy. That he's Julio? Colombian. He's another Colombian like me, and he created this company. <laughs> so I know Lester Crafton is doing his own his own thing, but honestly, Julio. Yeah, Damn. We, talk about a guy who can really lead talk about a guy who can really lead um that the gentleman is uh a stud and every time he's one of those people that when you get off the phone with him you're like god i'm glad i called him oh i, I love him. that yeah yeah he's crushing so they're 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 in the solar industry of course uh nick tiverty works with them uh uh Pretty pretty regularly. I have actually worked with them part time. I still do every once in a while when they need help with like Spanish yeah. interpretation because yo hablo español. That means I speak Spanish. Just yeah. so you know. I know what it means. I just can't come up with a reply because I took Spanish in high school and that was a while ago. South Dakota people, come on, get get Dude. get it together. Nobody's fair. Yeah, me. my <laughs> my Spanish teacher. That's a that, that's a story for another day because that's a very funny one. Oh boy. Okay. So anyway, on that note, yeah. Enlight Energy, a uh, fantastic place to work. They're looking for people who want to uh, continue to, uh, who, who like that door to door grind and who enjoyed yeah. uh, the idea of, you know, earning your worth. The solar industry pays outrageously Dude. good. Holy shit. And it's moving yeah. forward. I mean, everything in the, in the, in the, every projection Forbes magazine all beyond looks like the, if you're not in solar, it's, it's kind of like getting into Bitcoin at the right moment right now is like mm -hmm. the moment to get into, uh, into solar. Um, well, and I and can say from people, personal experience, 
there's a lot of people who really want to change the world, right? Who really are like, man, the environment, that's a big thing. Selling solar is actually a thing that you can do that is a win for you and a win for the planet. Like the more yeah. we have solar be pervasive, the bigger a deal that is. So if you're somebody who's like, yeah, I could get psyched up about going out and actually saaving the planet every day, that would be. Yeah, exactly. Good so if you're listening play. to this and maybe real estate wasn't the thing and maybe insurance wasn't the thing, but you're like, man, who else is out there that's kicking ass in the book world and the alumni world that I can get a hold of because I'm currently looking to change careers. If it wasn't real estate, mm -hmm. well, it, sh it should be. If it wasn't insurance, which it should be, well, then hell, it should be insurance. It yeah. should be solar because God, like everybody knows, everybody knows if you can trust a book, man, to have it be good for you. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's something about working for someone who sold books and that's kicking ass right now. And they are definitely kicking ass right now. Alex Black's well, just, episode is the one that you need to go listen to yeah. for sure. Being around people who are killing it, right? Because that's the other thing. When you just throw yourself out there in the world, odds are not good you're going to end up with a super high caliber of people around you. I, I do a lot of mentorship. By the way, there's a, a site called betterati.com. If you just kind of miss coaching people and you want to give back, they match veterans who are transitioning to civilian life with professional mentors in the business community. It's super easy. It's amazing. I like, I hit my hundred hours of contribution, but like you get to talk to like Navy SEALs who are afraid they won't get a job because they're not skilled enough. And you're like, okay, let me just reframe that for you real quick. But it, a lot of them, they struggle because it's hard to find people that are the same caliber. So if you're kind of looking around your office going, hmm, I don't know, this isn't as much fun. I don't feel like I'm really with all the winners. Um, put yourself at the yeah. president's club table and, you know, get in touch with some of these people and look at making a shift because life is both shorter than you think, but also longer than you think. And it's not fun yeah. to be with people who are in the mediocre zone. Absolutely right. And you nailed it. That's exactly right. So uh, get a hold of us. We can get you in touch with Julio and it's a wonderful place to work. Uh, they're expanding into different states. And so, you know, it doesn't matter really where you live. They do remote sales as well. So uh, pretty awesome Ooh. there. So uh, now it's now it's some time for the pony stores. Do you uh, do we need to take any sort of break? Do you need to go to the restaurant? I know you mentioned earlier that you're like, uh, OK, no, just checking in because you've been drinking some coke. Thank okay. you. Yeah, no, for sure. Guests is our priority. So, you know, we're doing that. So, all right. I appreciate ponytail. that. I mean, I'm in book chick mode. Let's do this. What's peeing? I don't even know. I'll just go in my car. However that works. Uh, it's just more scatological humor. That's not an option for girls. Like we always had to ask. It was always a thing. Yeah. We're not, that's, you're it not, is, there's yeah. no cornfields on our side of the book field. It's that's true. The grass was not greener. The cornfields weren't taller on your side. Um, all right. So ponytails, what do you got for us? I mean, this is a moment where the mic is yours to share any of the best stories you have, impactful stories, funny Ooh. stories, crazy stories, poop stories. You know, we got, we, it's the gambit. So it's your, oh, it's your mic. Oh, geez. I feel unprepared. Like, yeah, I'm literally like, Ooh, what's my best, my best book field story. Um, God, you know, there's a, can I tell a story about managing somebody? Like this isn't 100%. necessarily the funny one, but when I think back about the book field, this is one of my favorite ones. So we had a kid, it was like my third summer, we're selling in Missouri and we used to go meet, if you've never been to the, the old cathedral underneath the arch, you want to go to that church. Even if you're not religious, it's crazy. You want, I mean, I've been to the Vatican and all over. It's this amazing place. We used to go every Sunday. It's just so incredible. But when we were there that summer, we had a kid named Norm. 
And Norm was this super charming guy. He's a little chubby. His joke he used, and Norm was his nickname. I don't even know what his real name was because everywhere he went, everybody just yelled Norm like on Cheers. And, uh, <laughs> and Norm used to say, he's like, moms love me, daughters, not so much. Like he was just that kind of a guy, right? And um, and I, I loved Norm, but like in his summer, he got off schedule. And so they sent me in to do the, you know, killer Alicia eyes and like, and weed it all out, right? So we're sitting in the in this mall area and it's just Norm and I and and I'm I'm confronting him about the fact that he's not working as hard as he's supposed to be. And my experience with off schedule is you really got to get people to admit all of the crap, like just whatever the the like critical mass is. And once they've sort of confessed up, then then they get a fresh start. But you have to dig and actually get all of it, because if they hold any of that back, then there's guilt and shame. And that just tends to attract more guilt and shame. And it just doesn't work. So it's maybe one of the hardest conversations I've ever had with anybody because it, it just took a long time. And I, I remember, because he's this very lovable guy, and I just remember glaring at him as hard as I could and trying as hard as I could to keep like an intense face because he just needed that kind of pressure to like weed all of it out. So it was like literally, I don't know, 60, 70 minutes of me just sitting there going, what else, Norm? Tell me all of it. I, you need to know what else are you doing? What else? And like, and it was hard. Right. And he's crying and you know, it's, I mean, it's intense and we we're far enough away that we didn't have that thing where you have people walk by when somebody's crying. Like that's the other thing you learn when you sell books is how to cry in the middle of a PC, a personal <laughs> conference, just be puking and snot everywhere. And everybody, you know, is walking past and you don't even care because it's the holiday and whatever. I just want to have a good week. It's all I do. I'm just like, you know, all of that. Right. So, you know, he's going through all this and then there's this moment and I'm, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like, I think we're probably going to have to end. Like, I don't think we can get all the way to the bottom because this is PCs are only supposed to be an hour team. So we keep going. And then there's this beautiful moment where he says like the last thing. And then I see him like lean back in his chair and his shoulders drop and he takes this deep breath and it's now done. And he's like crying, right? And so I work with him and I, I tell him, we're just going to focus on, um, I just need you to tell me the truth every single night, like no matter what happened, I just need you to be straight with me, right? Like I want you to do three things. One, if you're going to leave, you got to come work with me for three days or whatever the thing we used to say. And if you're, whenever you tell me your stats, if you messed anything up, you got to tell me and you never have two bad days in a row, right? So like if the first day is bad, we're going to have you come follow me. Like we're going to work you back. Like you can come back from this. And luckily I had some firsthand experience because I had whiffed it so hard the summer before in, you know, Georgia. And um, so I work with Norm and he's on my stat line and I talk to him every night, you know, some good nights and some bad nights. And then toward the end of the summer, we're starting to decide who's going to come back as a manager. And I remember we sat around and we started talking about it and just became really obvious to all of us that it was Norm. And it, he wasn't selling the most books, right? He wasn't like lighting the world on fire. But I remember I got to be the one to invite him back. Ooh. So I pull him aside and he's kind of scared, right? <laughs> I mean, you never know, right? It could go bad. But I pull him aside and I sit him down and I, and I just kind of explain to him, I'm like, it's a big deal when we start thinking about who we want to work with and who we think we can trust to impact people in the right way. Like that's a big responsibility. And um, I said, Norm, I want you to know that we really believe in you and we actually 
we want to have you be the very first person that we invite to come work with us next year because we, and he starts crying and he looks at me and he says, nobody's ever actually believed in me before. Like he just comes from a tough home where he didn't get a lot of good reinforcement as a kid. And so that moment, like he just, I mean, if you've ever seen somebody just practically glow, right? Like you could practically see sparkles radiating off him. He was so grateful and happy and I was so proud of him and I couldn't believe that I've been like a part of that. And, um, and so Norm came back the next summer and he was a great manager, you know, he didn't sell a million units, but he was amazing with people and he was really, um, he was really good at that. And Norm became an elementary school teacher. Like he became this amazing teacher who just loves on these kids and is that the good voice in their head when some of them don't always have that, right? Like, and he knows how to do that in part because he dealt with his own voices in his head and he learned and he overcame that stuff and he found a confidence that, you know, I don't know if Norm would have found that somewhere else, right? Like it's not, he was the same, he had all this good stuff in him, but I don't know if, you know, an internship at an insurance agency was gonna bring that to the surface and have it actually get dealt with. Cause he actually had to confront what he believed about himself and choose to do something different and then do the work to build the confidence that he could be this other guy. And um, so when I think about selling books, I mean, it, it's funny because I'm I'm still mad that I didn't sell 10,000 units, right? Like I'm still pissed off I didn't hit more. I'm competitive <laughs> and what are you going to do about that, right? But I do think a lot about, like I had a kid when I was, field managing at Mizzou and I sat him down and he had recruited his best friend and I sat him down and I said, listen, you think this is going to be way easier than it's going to be. And you think that about all of life and it's not, and you've been dicking around with everything you've ever done. And when is it going to stop? And we had a real come to Jesus conversation. And I don't know where that kid is now, but I know that, I mean, he's like, Alicia, nobody's ever talked to me like this. Like I've never, he'd never even had somebody say to him, you're not fooling me, right? And we know when we see people go sell books, it's not, like, it's not hard. You're like, how many units are you going to sell? Well, um, I think, and you're like, no, you're not. That was easy. Let's move on. Like there's things <laughs> that you learn to call bullshit in a really productive way. But when I think about selling books, for me, it's the norms of the world. And it's, um, mm. you know, it's the Alicia's of the world, right? Like I'm a, much, much better person. And I'm a much healthier person. I'm so blessed that I was with a group of people who would give me a second chance, like let me blow it as bad as I blew it. And then keep working with me. And that's one of the things I tell people about selling books, like, you're not going to find very many places where you're going to get this kind of training and investment in helping you suck less. Thanks, Will. Um, you're... <laughs> <laughs> That's called the circle back, right? Just for fun. Um, but you, there's very few places where somebody's going to sit down with you for an hour once a week and every single night and try to clean out your head and help you think about you in a better way and have you be better at whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. That's yes. not the standard, right? So if you really want to level up in life, it's, it's partly about what you do. It's partly about who you do it with. And it's partly about what kind of framework you're in. That's why I love that you guys hired Will, even though I'm going to, you know, cage match him and just crush him. Um, 
because you need somebody to help you in that way. And some of us, we just need to be loved on a little bit because life is hard. Running your own business is hard. Managing a bunch of people, having their mortgages depend on whether or not you sell. These things are not easy. It matters. Wow. You are so great. <laughs> Five summers, Andres. Five summers. Just saying. That's it. That's it. I'm golly. That's so good. That's so good. Dude, send wow. me an invite. I'm really excited about this Bizzler. I don't know. I've got some big trips planned. I'm going to Kenya to visit Emily Woods. If you guys know her, she runs Sanivation. Yes. So I'm going to her, yeah. going to her wedding in Kenya in June. So I've got some travel planned, but um, I love August 15th through the 19th. August I love 15th what you guys are up to because that community is a thing that is um, really valuable. And the more connections we make, I think the better off we all are. So uh, I'm, I want to know, I want to go to one of the parties with the music in the house that Pat Roach sold somebody and Greta's there and everybody's got life insurance. I want to go to all the things. <laughs> they got solar and everybody's fit because of wellness. Dude, and, right. And the thing are, is running because of the, the solar, like, and, we're and, all the, and the DJs we are really jamming. Hot. Dude. It's killer. legit. Sweet. It's legit. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Seriously, though, wow. no, thank you. This was super Did you have fun. fun? I didn't think it'd be Did this. You? I didn't think it would okay. be this much fun. I thought I would feel That's a little weird. Say. Like, nobody wants to hear my book stories. But um, you really, yeah, you have a great way with people. It was a blast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I, that means a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I want to say thank you so from the bottom of my heart, you know, that the, again, the, the, the whole thing runs because of people like you, because of people, uh, 102 episodes in and none of it has been because of me. It's been because of the people who come and share their experience and some of them, inter oh, you know, interweave and overlap and they're similar and some of them are different completely. But yeah. every single one of the episodes has been, has been an, an entirely unique experience in my opinion. And so it's because of the guests, because of people like you who come in and want to openly share what they've learned and, and, and hopefully for whatever reason, inspire others to, to do the same. So, um, crazy thing that we did in college, crazy thing that we did in college, um, this door to door thing. And for the rest it's of your kind of life, wild. you're always saying, well, when I was in college, I had this crazy job. You probably know somebody that sold books door to door. What kind <laughs> of books like educational books for kids stuff with math and science. I don't yes. still know most of the sales talk. That's not a thing. No, I don't. I don't want to go. Oh, have you not heard about me still? Like or whatever it is. Oh, I I get it, I get it. Um, well, once again for the last for people listening and, and this is a, I feel like that was a good needle, like to yeah. a good sub right there. For people listening, once one more time, MaverickandCompany.com. That's where you can go find Alicia Huck. You can also find her on LinkedIn. Uh, she's on uh, available for any sort of, especially if you sold books, go find her, go connect. We would love to, uh, you know, hear about the progress. We want to keep up with you and see how you're doing. We, we definitely need to talk about some other stuff about, as far as like yeah. joining up and, and having you be our partner. That'd be so, that'd be cool. I would love to. You get be better looking if you doing. work with me too. You can buy a bigger house with Pat Roach. You can afford more life insurance. You have all the solar panels, not just a couple. You get like the whole big package. Throw a weekly party. Pretty sweet, dude. We, you are Lucas. a weekly party at that point. You're your own walking president's club. It's pretty that's Magical. That's right. Um, yeah, make sure you know if you if you've listened to this far, if you've got to the end, make sure you guys follow us. I uh, subscribe. The subscribe button yeah. is right there on YouTube. 
Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you're on Spotify, make sure you share with all the other book people you know. This is such a fun thing yeah. that we're doing, and we're trying to build this network as big as we can to reach out to as many of those 150,000 living alumni that supposedly exist out there. That way, we. I heard it's a billion. Guess. I heard it's a billion. It's, and, it is um, one in seven people have sold. One hundred million people. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, amazing. Well, I hope you had fun, Alicia. This has been a blast for me. I love my job. And, and, and of course this episode was one of my, one of my favorites for sure. It's such a fun, such a fun experience. You guys, my name is Andres Gamboa. This has been episode 102 of the ponytails podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. We have, uh, some really cool guests coming up. I know Marty Pyle's coming. Pat Ocegian is coming up. Uh, Marty uh, Pyle. yeah, he's up next. And then, uh, Roger Sype, Roger Sype is coming up. <gasps> I yeah. love Roger he's an og too you gotta tell him he's I said, an hey. oh yeah he'll Dude, be open in april he's the og i think yeah. is actually his title roger yeah. is he's, legit he human. stole most of his stuff from me is is the truth absolutely actually yeah for me i have him seen that Will, when i was in man. seventh grade you know <laughs> and he like heard my seventh grade speech third period ask, speech class he heard ask him about his botox it. that's all i'm saying all I'm oh. <laughs> we'll ask Grant. We are not sponsored by Botox, but we can be. Um, Listen, and we'll somebody see you guys out the there is one. doing plastic surgery. Let's get them on the show. They can be a jockey. You know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> on that note, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Love you.